Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 7, Episode 3. This week, we are finishing our Bad Boys trilogy with 2020's Bad Boys for Life. With Joe. Mike, you don't need a grenade launcher. Yeah, but I want one. And Josh. Hey, look, all our lives we've been bad boys, all right? Now it's time to be good men. Who in the hell want to sing that song? Good man, good man, what you gonna do? Welcome to season seven. Season seven of the movie planet. We are in season seven, seven years of the planet. Joining me is the Adil Bilal to my Michael Bay, Josh. <laughs> Wait, I'm, am I two guys here? Is that what's happening? You're, you're twice the director. Okay. Which is why we got twice the results. I love oh, it. I love it. Look at that. Yes. <laughs> well, this week I put you nominated. We kind of talked about doing bad boys for like a good year. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, let's just get this shit done. Uh, and it's to be fair, it's taken us the better part of four months to do these movies. <laughs> yes, which uh, I don't feel bad about because there are a lot. They, there, are, there are a lot to take in and be assaulted by. There's a lot to unpack, <laughs> especially Bad Boys 2. And no, I promise in this movie, we will not see a mouse having sex with another mouse missionary style. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is Bad Boys for Life for the action-adventure movie Pantheon, thus completing the Bad Boys trilogy mm -hmm, until mm -hmm. they decide to make another one in four years or so, <laughs> you know, when they're still too old to do this shit. Um, the action-adventure movie Pantheon consists of seven and only seven movies. The films in this Pantheon as of right now, Die Hard is number one, also a Christmas movie. Uh, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark is number two. Indiana Jones is number three. Mad Max Fury Road is number four. John Wick one is five. John Wick two is six. And John Wick chapter three is seven. <sighs> Will this movie knock out a wick? I, I like to see wick like cleaning up the bottom there. I you really do. I mean? Yeah, it's sweeping nicely. Yeah. Um, but for, as I was reading these, my first thought when I saw Mad Max was, your thoughts on Furiosa. I'm so excited. You are. Okay. I, yeah, I am pumped. Is George Miller doing this? Yeah. Okay, cuz I when I saw the when I saw the trailers, I was like this doesn't look like a typical George Miller movie. What what does though? Well, what I, what is his signature? There's a lot of CGI in this. Okay. Miller is his practical effects homie. Yes. You know? There's a lot of CGI and I love Charlize Theron. I'm not one of those people that says, not my Furiosa. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not that pot committed to Furiosa, uh, but I did like seeing that ugly motherfucker with the the face mask on from the from Mad Max Fury Road. I like that he's back in this. Yes. Uh, I am curious, is this, any, is this still a Mad Max property? If Mad Max is not in it, is it a Mad Max property? It's weird because Mad Max has become, uh, I think, is becoming like Star Wars, right? Where Star Wars is like the overarching universe that things happen in. Yes. So Mad Max refers to a dude, but also not the dude so much. It's the world. It's the setting. It's the the tone. Also, sp speaking of Star Wars, uh, as of since Disney bought, there haven't hasn't actually been a whole lot of wars that's, in the Star Wars. That's true. Just realized that. <laughs> I'm like, 
when was the last time we had like a a war? <laughs> uh, star political intrigue, perhaps. Star political intrigue, star espionage. Yes. Um, even, and then, even that's not even the stars and the planets. Um, okay, so <laughs> we will talk about something else later on. Well, let's get to business. This week we are talking about 2020s and pandemic years. Bad Boys for Life, a movie made for about $90 million that brought in $426.5 million for an action movie. People wanted to see this. Uh, written by Peter Craig, Jill Carnahan, and Chris Bremner. Directed by Belgian directors Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah. Music by Lauren Balfi. Okay. Now, do you, does the name Joe Carnahan ping anything for you? It does, okay. but I don't know where. Like, I re- wrote it and I was like, I'll look up this later. Mm-hmm. But God, the name is familiar. Uh, did you see The Gray? Yes. Yes. That's him? Yeah. Okay. Gray's great. Yes, The Gray's great. Uh, he did Cop Shop, Smoke and Aces back in the early Smoke 2000s. and Aces I'm familiar with. Uh, the, was it 2010 A-Team? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's- uh, who was in the... McConaughey was in it. It was the it was uh, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, Bradley Cooper. Yes, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Rocket, <laughs> the maestro himself, the, Bradley Cooper. Thank you. I could have picked any other thing where his face actually was there, but <laughs> um, okay. So this opened January seventeenth of twenty twenty. Now the pandemic hit, I believe March. Okay. So it got in just in time. Uh, Bad Boys opened up with Doolittle. And if you That's look at the, movie. if you look at it, 1917 was in its second week, but Bad Boys for Life topped it. It brought in 62 million that first weekend. Doolittle brought in 21. And I remember I saw Doolittle the same weekend. Really? Oh, it was culture shock. <laughs> yeah, I got I got I got pop culture whiplash on that one. But other movies that are in there, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker's in its second week. Okay, it's only made eight million dollars that weekend. Brutal. Oh yeah, look at that with a 45 percent drop off. Is that correct? Yeah. Wow. People did not like this. No. And part of it was because of Last Jedi. Well, we'll talk about that later on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> rated R, runtime, two hours and four minutes. This one books. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Will Smith as Lieutenant Mike Lowry, Martin Lawrence as Lieutenant Marcus Burnett, Vanessa Hudgens, what are you doing here, as Kelly, <laughs> Alexander Ludwig as Dorn. Did you did you recognize him at all? Yes. Um but he's he's like bland handsome man from things correct yes yeah he was one of the th- he was one of the f- final three in the hunger games okay that's where i recognized him from i was like he almost killed Candace. <laughs> <laughs> that bastard and he's big yeah and and they play with it in this movie like, oh very much so yeah. uh charles melton as rafe where do i know charles melton from uh this year he was in may december okay wasn't that okay was that, gosh uh, he wasn't he wasn't Sandman, was he? Or am I thinking of a different actor? What? The, from the Netflix series? Yes. The Sandman? No. That's not him. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. No. Okay. Uh, He's uh, got a very punchable face. He looks smug all the time. I mean, to be fair, this is a very smug movie. Yes. And everyone's kind of smugging around. So it, There's a lot of smugness <laughs> dripping everywhere. Uh, speaking of dripping, Paula Nunez as Lieutenant Rita Sicada. Kate Del Castillo as Isabel Aretas. Uh, Nikki Jam <laughs> as Lorenzo Zuelo Rodriguez. Joey Pants as yeah. Captain Conrad Han- uh, ha- Honrad. Conrad <laughs> Howard. <laughs> Teresa Randall as Teresa Burnett. DJ Khaled as Manny. And Ma- Michael 
whole fucking bay <laughs> as the wedding MC. <laughs> so did you... I don't know anything about DJ Khaled except for he he advertises things, right? Yes. This is the extent of my cultural knowledge of D DJ Khaled. In the credits, he is credited as Khaled, DJ Khaled, Khaled. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yes, buddy. That's a man who knows what he wants. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I saw DJ Khaled, I was like, wait, he was in this movie? Mm -hmm. And then when I watched it, I was like, okay. That's what I expect. Yes. <laughs> According to IMDb, this movie had only one tagline because that's all you need to sell a movie like this. Mm -hmm. Ride together, die together. And they'll tell you this every half hour on the 30. <laughs> <laughs> or some version of it. Yes. <laughs> Hasta el fuego. <laughs> that could have been the other one, the other tagline. It makes no sense. No. Like they admit it in the movie, it makes no sense. And But... And when I first heard it in the theaters, because, you know, don't know my Spanish very well, mm -hmm. knowing that hasta luego is see you tomorrow, hasta mañana, see you this morning, you know, I thought it was see you in hell. Oh. That's what have made more sense to me. Yeah. But it's not apparently, it's just something we had to make up. Uh, <laughs> broken, broken Spanish. Okay, do you remember seeing this for the first time, Josh? What'd you think? Uh, you, you mean uh, two days ago? Two days ago. Two days ago. 48 fresh hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's I've been putting it off because we had talked about doing this. Yes. So. I, I did too. <laughs> I did want to watch it right after two though. Like that was my initial impulse. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm glad I had like kind of an in and out viewing experience with this. Okay. Where I was doing other stuff, which is good because this movie is breathless. Like it's slam bang, boom, 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 boom. Shit's happening the whole time. There is no break no. in this movie. And I and maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but this movie, one, doesn't feel like the other two. No. And two, because there is no break and it's so like I can't get up to do something, I gotta stay with this scene and all that stuff. I almost feel like it's a Michael Mann style movie. Interesting. Okay. Because his movies don't have breaks either. Yeah. It's just one continuous wave that you're riding. Mm -hmm. And when you, I, the way I, the, did it, did man do the Michael, Vi, or the, did, did Michael Mann do the Miami Vice remake? Yes. Thank you. Yes. That's what I saw this as compared to the Bad Boys 1 and 2. Was that okay. this was the, this was the Bad Boys 3, the Miami Vice movie mm -hmm. versus the TV show that we'd seen before. Got it. Because it was very different as a movie, Miami Vice. Yes. Oh, um, God, I love that movie, though. Do you? It is. It's vibes. That is like, <laughs> because you do, uh, that is also very propulsive, but you do spend time when they, do they go to Cuba or something uh, for their date? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Colin Farrell and uh, what's her name? And that movie, the, the look, the tone of it, it's just like, oh, hell, everyone's so cool. It oozes cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> but that was Don Johnson back in the day, baby. He was cool. <laughs> I saw it opening weekend. I got Doolittle out of the way. Mm -hmm. And then my Saturday was ba Bad Boys for Life. I didn't have high expectations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I remember leaving the theater going, that was actually really good. Mm -hmm. And I, I, was, I was like, I would watch another one of these. Uh, okay, but <laughs> this is interesting. This is how this movie came to be. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. 
I don't make movies. I make films. Okay, we're going to start in June 2008. That's a ways back. <laughs> That's a ways back there. Like, I was looking at all this stuff. I was like, how far do we go? <laughs> June 2008, Michael Bay states that he's going to direct Bad Boys 3 but that the greatest obstacle would be cost considering both Will Smith and himself demanded some of the highest salaries in the film industry. Not Martin Lawrence, <laughs> the director and the, the top actor. <laughs> then we go to August 2009, so nearly a year later, Columbia Pictures has hired Peter Craig to write a script for the sequel. Now we skip forward two years, February 2011. <laughs> Martin Lawrence states the film is in development. Then we go three years in advance. <laughs> okay. June 2014, Jerry Bruckheimer announces that screenwriter David Guggenheim was working on the storyline for the sequel. And two months later, Lauren said a script had been written and roles had been cast. So at this point, why is, is Marty Lawrence the mouthpiece for, for these news items coming out? No idea. I think he wanted it more than Will Smith maybe had at the time. Because mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what Smith was doing around this point. Wasn't he in that After Earth phase? Yes. Yeah. So his, his, uh, his freak flag ain't flying as high as it used to. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. And... This is also kind of the start of a lot of uh, Will Smith's The Family Drama. Yes. Kind of stuff that's been going on since then for him. Mm -hmm. So now you go a year ahead from that, June 2015, mm -hmm. and it's reported that Joe Carnahan, director Joe Carnahan, was in early talks to write and possibly direct the film. Okay. Now, mind you, two months before then, Lauren said a script had been written and roles were cast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now we go to August. So two months after that June, Sony Pictures and Entertainment announces that there were plans for two sequels with Bad Boys 3 scheduled for release on February 17th, 2017, followed by Bad Boys 4 on July 3rd, 2019. Just like a production company, set the dates before you have anything set. Yeah, perfect. No <laughs> notes, guys. A year goes by. <laughs> In early 2016, Bad Boys 3 was pushed to June 2nd, 2017 with no update on the release date of Bad Boys 4. Producers had planned to begin production in early 2017. Then another delay surfaces in August of 2016 when, to avoid competition with the upcoming DC Comics film Wonder Woman, the studio pushed the film's release to January 12th, 2018. It was also revealed that the film would be titled Bad Boys for Life. So programming-wise... Yes. Like, would you worry about those two films eating each other's lunch? I would, only because... Not because they're so different, mm -hmm. but because there's only so much money in the room on a weekend. Okay. You know, yeah. most people that are going to go see Wonder Woman, that's going to be families going. Mm -hmm. That's a big chunk of change being spent at the movie theater, as you know. Yeah. The next night, you want to take a girl out, you're not going to a movie theater to buy popcorn and shit. You're going to be like, yeah, let's go to McDonald's and pick up a movie. Right, right. You know, you spent it last night on the kids with Wonder Woman. We're going to go home for this. So that's probably why they avoided that. It's a lot like when Avatar came out. Everybody's like, don't release anything this weekend. But Avatar's <laughs> a, a machine in and of itself. I mean, anything Cameron does is, I mean, how many times has he had the highest grossing film? How many times has he pushed Avatar the, the way of water? <laughs> it's true, yeah. Original date, I believe, was 2016 for that movie. That was the original date, and it kept getting pushed. Was it now? Yeah. It kept getting pushed oh, down yeah, the line. I like, that. I remember the joke when we first started the show was, and Cameron moves it down again. <laughs> <laughs> These movies will never get made. Okay. 
But we're not done, everybody, because <laughs> here we go. Uh, in October 2016, interview on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Martin Lawrence says filming might, be might begin <laughs> in March of 2017. Then, two months after that, an updated release date for Bad Boys 4 was set for May 24th, 2019. Oh, my gosh. You're in, you're in the film business. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you two years to make a film when you start filming? Roundabout, yeah. 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 Sony announces then on February 2017 that the film's release date would be delayed for a third time to November 9th, 2018. The following month, Carnahan leaves <laughs> for scheduling conflicts. <laughs> what schedule at this point? What's being done and what is Joe doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cop Shop is somewhere in there, and that's all I know of his filmography. Joe Carnahan. Let's see what Mr. Carnahan was doing as of late. This was 20, 2017 to 2019 is that window. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote the Eli Roth Death Wish in that era. Yeah. Boy, he produced a lot of stuff. I'm not seeing a whole... There we are, director. Previous. Uh, there, there ain't a whole lot there for Mr. Carnahan as a director, writer-wise. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's got. A, there's nothing. Yeah, there's <laughs> death, death wish, then cop shop in 2021. I didn't realize that came out so late. Mm-hmm. Um, El Chicano. El Chicano. He wrote El Chicano. Oh. He, he wrote uh, Blood, Guts, Bullets, and Octane. Yes. And, and I love how Bad Boys for Life is on here. And then like two steps up says Bad, for, Bad Boys for Life deleted scenes. Nice. <laughs> you needed two credits for that, Joe? Come on. We know who it is. Um, in August 2017, Sony removes the third film from the release schedule. And later in the month, Lawrence says the film is not going to happen. Oh, now I feel bad for him. Well... This is also when Martin Lawrence basically retires. Mm -hmm. He's done. And because he, he, he just dropped off the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember the big lead up to this movie back in the day when it was being made was, uh, how will they get Martin Lawrence back? Okay. Because he's out of shape now. He's living his best life, not acting anymore. And Will Smith was taking the rounds at that time going, yeah, bad boys for life. It's going to happen. I just got to get Mark on the phone and we're going to talk to each other and get it going. And it took forever. Um, planning resumed in February 2018 as Belgian director Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah were signed after development on Beverly Hills Cop 4 stalled. They were to work on that one. Oh, Snap. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In place of Carnahan and Smith and Lawrence were confirmed to reprise. So that now they're in. Geek Worldwide reports that the third installment in the Bad Boys franchise would film from November 2018 to 2019 in March in Miami and Atlanta with the release date scheduled for January 17, 2020. And that's where we get to. 12 years. <laughs> Just imagine all of Martin Lawrence's heartbreak. I mean, over those 12 years. <laughs> Just sitting there going, hey, Martin, you sell. You sell. For five years, you sell in this movie. Mm -hmm. Never happens. Like, And I remember just laughing going, it's not even a good franchise. What do we care? Ooh, okay. <laughs> okay, so are you ready for this movie? Yes. Let's yes. do this. I'm telling you, Mike, 
you go out there for vengeance, you're gonna get someone killed. Oh, we definitely bringing some smoke. That fool put holes in me. And you're filling them with hate, Mike. Look, you need to start thinking about your karma, man. This was a sign. A sign, yeah, a sign to turn up. So I'm supposed to bow down now, get this bitch a pass? Turn up? What are you, 20? You need to turn that shit off. You know, Mike, Rita called me every day you were in the hospital. There's something still there, a future. My future is hunting this motherfucker. Well, it's not mine. All right, so let me, let me get this straight. So, somebody get to dump my ass out in the street and you ain't gonna do shit, you just gonna quit. How dare you, man? I sat by your bedside. I wiped the drool off your chin, Mike. Don't disrespect me like that, because you don't know. All right, all right, all right. Look, Marcus, I'm asking you. I'm begging you, man. I need this. Bad boys. One last time. No, Mike. No. The third Bad Boys film starts with detectives Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett speeding through the streets of Miami with other cops following them. They arrive at a hospital and run inside as they head to the room where Marcus's daughter Megan has given birth to a baby boy. His wife Teresa and Megan's fiance Reggie. Reggie. Are there as well, informing Marcus that the boy is named after him and he proudly holds his grandson. A police escort to get to the hospital. Josh. <laughs> It's Michael Bay driving this movie again. <laughs> the amount of fake outs in this movie like that are, it's pretty hilarious. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they're like drifting mm -hmm. around corners and nearly killing civilians. Yes. Just wanton destruction nearly in the streets. Like I, I think you avoid running over any baby carriages, but well, it's pretty intense. My wonder is, are they coming from a crime? Hmm. Because wouldn't Martin Lawrence's character, wouldn't Marcus have been at the hospital when this was happening? You would think so. Also, they get there, the baby's already cleaned up on mama. It's like- It's been a few hours. Yes, it's been a while. It's been a hot minute since since this baby popped into the world. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we, classic Michael Bay pan up, but it's not Michael Bay because it's cut short when Marcus Rams that door into a fire hydrant. The foley on that, like the junk, and then there's a scrape as he like pushes it a little further. The squeak of it too. That yep, yep. <laughs> okay, so they were blocking off the streets with police vehicles. We saw that. Mm -hmm. uh, they got the same guy to play Reggie. That's great, and he plays it the same way. Yeah. Hi, Mr. Burnett. Very nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> and we get the bouncing baby boy. Uh, this is where. Mike, this is the start of his arc for the movie, right? Yes. Because here, uh, he's got no heart, right? The, the baby, Mike, the baby. <laughs> and uh, Marcus is just crying. As he should. Yes. That's been his character for two movies now. Yes. 
Uh, but this is also the most emotion we're going to get out of Marcus the rest of the movie. Because mm. Marcus, I think, is written very subdued in this movie all the way through. He's got, we'll come across a couple like notes later, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is screaming Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. This opening, uh, I believe Lethal Weapon 4 opens with a rush to the hospital. Does it now? I think it does. Okay. Oh, no, it ends. Ah, it ends with a rush. Yeah, it ends. That's another series we got to do. Okay. <laughs> In a Mexican prison, inmate, and you may know her from Weeds, Isabel Aretas is muttering an incantation that draws a guard's attention. Isabel grabs a knife off the guard and holy hell, stabs the shit out of them. Uh, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> The, the violence and gore in this movie is compared to the last two, right? Everything is like getting destroyed in the other ones, but it's not gory. This was like, and once again, that full like, oh yes. Oh, the sound was, fam- yes, definitely. But like, the, they put more blood in this scene than I think they did the previous two movies. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so she she stabs her with the other inmates jumping in and stabbing her to death. Other guards take Isabel outside only for her son Armando to help her kill off all the other guards. And he's a badass. He frees her and they return to their home to plot revenge on behalf of her late husband Benito with Mike being their intended final target. So she pulled a Hannibal. I'm listening. So uh, when they have him in the museum uh Enclosure. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. That he does the same thing. She dresses up like the guard that's been injured and they carry her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's been taking notes from Silence of the Lambs. Well, at least we know that movies exist in this movie. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> good point. You know, unlike in like Spider-Man Homecoming. No, no Spider. No, I'm sorry. Civil War. Mm-hmm. When Tom Holland references the prequels and Star Wars, not recognizing that Nick Fury is Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> So, <laughs> who knows what's consistent there? Uh, <laughs> that is quite the quiz and break, prison break, and it's simple. Mm-hmm. Like, remember how ridiculous the opening crime was in Bad Boys 1? Yes. This was just like, in, out. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and it this movie is so much more streamlined with a lot of those details. Yes. Like, they really stripped it down, and it makes a lot more sense. You know what? There's something to be said for Michael Bay's filmography. Uh, Yeah, the way he films a movie that I miss in this, though. Mm -hmm. Because there were certain things that I was looking for, like the really cool shot that you showed in Bad Boys 2, where they go through the ventilation system. Right, right. And we didn't see any of that in this. It was just very simple photography, but it was a simple story to begin with. You Mm -hmm. don't need to get all... Because it's cool. You don't need that in this. It shows it's cool. There are a couple... uh like fake oneers during action sequences yeah. and the the paint shop body shop uh firefight okay i mean you've got like the colors exploding in the different <laughs> places that's it looks like a music video yeah that was yeah i can't i can't say no to that <laughs> i mean it's not nearly as anything from uh who's the guy that did uh kingsman oh Oh my gosh. But that director's style. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Vaughn. Thank you. Yeah. It's not like Matthew Vaughn where the colors are all over the place and slowed yeah. down and saturated. Yeah. It's just enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Isabel <clears throat> cleans mm-hmm. up very nicely when she's not covered in somebody else's viscera. <laughs> uh, but there's no way she's his mother. They look the same age. But I'm a little uncomfortable. It's, I'm a little too. Yeah. Especially when some of the stuff gets revealed later and you're like, 
Does it, do these timelines work out? I don't know. Yeah. Like, and I know, here's the thing. She just looks young. She's in her forties. Okay. Yeah. But like, again, it's, it's nice to see that we have a different villain in this movie that like, there's clearly some psychology behind this one as opposed to the other two, where it was like, insert villain. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that in this one, the villain has a plan that actually gets revealed to us throughout the movie, as opposed to there's a plan and it never makes sense. <laughs> it just, it just kind of happens. We'll tell you in the last 10 minutes, it'll go, you'll work. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, at this point, I'm really wondering why Mike is the last to die. Cause they're laying out, which gets oh, revealed later, yeah. but they're like, she's like, don't touch him. No, not until time. Yeah. yeah. He's got to see everybody die around him. Yeah. Uh, Mike and Marcus's fellow officers, which by the way, I really missed the two Spanish, the two Cuban yes. officers. Where were they? Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. I didn't think about those days. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, Mike and Marcus's fellow officers, including Captain Howard, gather at a bar to celebrate Marcus becoming a grandfather. It's Captain Howard sighting. Woo! Love him. Uh, Marcus seems like he's getting, he's actually getting older because mm -hmm. <laughs> he is older. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a crazy bar scene. The, uh, I don't know, cop bars in movies are always fascinating because it's always such a cop, cop bar. Or, or firemen. Fire. Yes. Yeah. They always have their own place. But everyone in this, they're chanting Marcus's name. Like he scored a touchdown. <laughs> like, but like, he technically impregnated somebody 20 some years ago or 30 some years ago who has now been impregnated. Like that's, yeah, he did nothing for this and they're chanting like he's a conquering hero. Well, time out. Think, let's think about this. <laughs> Not to put it too, too, too crude a turn uh -huh, on it, uh -huh. but could we call that becoming a grandfather or being a grandmother is like a double clutch shot? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> or is it an alley-oop? Oh, it's really more of an alley oop because you you shot it, uh huh, and the other person took it and, and scored, and scored, and now you get partial credit, you get the assist for it. Uh, you assisted the shot. I, I am now worried <laughs> that that means that Marcus was kind of Reggie's wingman. You know what? I think we've uncovered something. <laughs> the fact that they tried to scare him off to begin with, that it brought that bond tighter. Is that dirty enough for you? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Armando goes to the docks to pull out a crate full of money with intent to work with other gangsters, but these gangsters try to screw him over and take the majority shares of the money. With their guns drawn on Armando, he retaliates by John wicking everyone. He then orders the remaining men to step up if they wish to work loyally under his family. A crook named Lorenzo Rodriguez, AKA Zuelo, joins him. Okay. Armando's finally a villain I can get behind in this movie. Did guy's a fighter. And he's awesome. Yeah. He's very cool and driven. Like we know kind of why he's doing things, even if we don't know the plan already. Yeah. Like he's loyal to his moms. Like that's a thing that's happening. It's an emotional tie that the other ones do not have. Absolutely. And I do like the fact that there are two villains in this. Mm -hmm. And it's Armando and uh, Isabel. Because if they had just gone with Armando again, it'd be like, this is an easy fix. You need an emperor for Darth Vader in this one. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> for me, watching this scene, my first instinct when I saw this, when I saw him fight his way out of all that, mm -hmm. was how they introduced Jet Li in Lethal Weapon 4. Okay. Which was like, he looks very unassuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just takes out everybody in the room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, then he hung up on his mom. Okay, rude. Then say goodbye. She calls him a gringo, though. Yeah, she yeah. did, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah she, that's like you're calling your own son a half-breed. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, peace. Just that action movie, uh, you know, thriller thing where you never actually say goodbye, but he's kind of mad. Like, every time he answers the phone in this one, he's a little, he's a little ticked. Well, he is just mom's bitch. This is true. He, you know, he's he's just the arrow that's getting pointed. Yeah. Yeah. He's the weapon. A lethal weapon. <laughs> <laughs> just out of curiosity, what does gringo mean? <clears throat> it, apparently not what I thought it meant. I thought it meant white American. <laughs> I did too. But Mike is black. <laughs> so figure that one out, everybody. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mike and Marcus encounter a woman named Rita who has just been promoted to lieutenant and is also Mike's ex and soon my wife. She informs that she is also now heading ammo because it's got to be named that advanced <laughs> Miami Metro operations, which employs a younger team of officers. Marcus knows they are getting too old for all the crazy things they used to get into and he urges Mike to settle down, though he disagrees. The two go outside, have a foot race, and as Mike takes the lead, Armando rides up on a motorcycle and guns Mike down. He gets away as the officers rush to help Mike. Okay, Rita, we got hottie number two. This may not be a Michael Bay joint, but it's got all the con cards. <laughs> but the the hotties, there are hotties who are bouncing their booties. Our two main hotties, no bikini shots of them. No. They're pretty respectful. Yet. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> we are going to get, a, I believe, a tight dress shot. Yeah, yes. And I can't remember the picture of Isabel that they put up. Oh, yeah. Was she in a swimsuit top? Yeah, she might be uh, <laughs> on, on the crime board. Yeah. <laughs> and bingo. <laughs> uh, I got 50 on a torn ACL, Joey Pants. <laughs> the, there's so many more moments in this. Yeah. I mean, they're over the top, but they feel more real mm-hmm. because of stuff like that. When they're actually like, you know, they're getting old. Uh, when they're running, dude, they... They do not look like spring chickens. <laughs> they, look, they look old. Marcus yes. especially. Yes. Marcus looks like he hasn't run in three years. <laughs> the uh, From the beginning, Marcus, like he's a uh, passenger seat in Mike's car. Mm-hmm. They're tearing through Miami. Yep. And his face is pressed back, giving him not just a double chin, but like double cheeks. <laughs> yes. Like a, like a Garfield cat stuck on the window. Yes. And uh, Lawrence just rolls with it. Like, yeah. He is, I feel like he is game to be like, shit, I am older now. Like, I really can't do this kind of stuff. And the, he leans into it for his character. It's why I really appreciate the scene where after, in, in a couple of scenes when he's uh, talks about retiring and then you show what Mike is doing. Yes. What Marcus is doing. Yeah. And have like, Marcus is living his best life right now. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see here. Well, yeah. Uh, damn, Mike took bullets. Armando just took the number one slot in the series for villains. <laughs> Dude, the, the whole little part, it's shocking when it happens. Yeah. When Come. he gets, you know, downed like that. Uh, the one thing that I didn't like about that was I felt like there's so much practical blood mm. in the previous scenes. And then this, I was like, and that's some like CGI faker. They didn't put no squibs on my man. No, no. They they, they used all their blood on the scenes before. Yeah. <laughs> that was their blood budget. <laughs> the uh, oh, we're getting up to the. Part. No, there's okay. some other good jokes in there. The, the, the talk about his goatee. 
Yeah. Once, once Mike's in the hospital bed, or, or no? Yeah, they're making fun of his. Uh, what is it, cocoa bean brown? I know you. You're, you're getting older too, Mike. I know you die in that beard. <laughs> Midnight cocoa bean. Yes. But even better, when he's lying in the bed, he's putting it he's on. Putting it on him. <laughs> Marcus loves him so much. Oh yeah. No, no. It's his boy, man. It, these guys were tight forever, except for these years that apparently went missing in their memory. <laughs> uh, what's ammo? <laughs> okay, yeah, that was. A they little... do work at the same precinct of this place, right? And it's kind of a big deal. Like ammo has their whole own wing of the <laughs> and of it, the station it looks and it like. looks like when you walk through the door you actually fast forward 10 years into the world of the future mm -hmm. i mean it, here's this locked door nobody's allowed to go everybody's pushing paper over here they got pencils in their hand you go in there it's like fluorescent lights 800 monitors and <laughs> a big dude that just works on tech <laughs> i do like that that dorn gets his little bits of backstory in there but Dorn is a call callback too to the Michael Bay series because remember they used John Sally for that another really big unassuming guy, mm -hmm. and so Dorn kind of runs with that same motif of let's get the biggest guy we can, make him a tech guy. <laughs> but they give him character beats. In they this give him one. a backstory. Yes. Yes. And that's where I love this movie. Okay. Everybody has a reason. Yeah. And I like that. Um, Mike is in critical condition. Marcus prays to God while dying his beard that Mike will be saved with the premise that Marcus will never bring any more violence into the world. And this is very on brand Marcus as per his character in all the other movies. Mm -hmm. I actually believe his character would do this. Martin Lawrence is really stretching his acting chops in the scene also. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not great, but it's good enough. And that being said, God doesn't do bargains. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, Lawrence on his own in this it's not as strong as his interactions later no like you actually see him and believe him especially the uh we'll get to it but the uh parking garage sequence towards the end where all the secrets kind of come out yeah and you get the two guys playing off each other and it's like damn okay there's some emotional range happening and affecting me in this this is good martin lawrence is not the comic relief anymore Right. He's as much the straight man as Will Smith is. They both have a balance of the jokes and who's the comic relief and when. It used to be, like, especially number two, it was mostly Will being the straight man and then Martin was the, ah, ah. Right. And this, that, all that screaming and shit, it's gone for the most part. Yeah. And this is an older, this is, this is the movie where I'm like, if they would reboot this series again, because we talked about how Bad Boys 2 might have been a reboot. Yeah. Uh, this would have been a great starting point. Mm -hmm. these guys the problem is you got to watch one and two and when you watch one and two you go oh it came over three and you're like well this is totally different <laughs> yeah this is i mean we'll get to my pitch later for for what to do with this series very good uh rita and howard then order ammo kelly dorn and rafe it's just three people in ammo by yeah. the way <laughs> to, do, <laughs> to do what they can do investigate mike shooter meanwhile isabel chastises armando for going after mike so soon as she deliberately wants him to die last so that he suffers watching others die they proceed to go after a judge a forensics analyst analyst and a prosecutor killing them all in broad daylight because who's gonna catch you in broad daylight <laughs> uh, now everyone in this department is beautiful these are not cops no they i'm glad that they give them stuff to do because they kind of look like the uh i don't know like the cbs version <laughs> you know what i mean like everyone's very clean yeah it, and it's it's what's that show rookie 
rookie yeah. feet or something. Yeah. Yeah. The rookie. Yep. Everyone's super handsome, uh, you know, very striking looking Vanessa Hudgens with her uh, oh. half braided hair and a gun the size of her later on that she handles very well. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The biggest guy in the department doesn't do violence. Right. Uh, and then we got Armando who's just killing every scene he's in at this point. Uh, but once again, no goodbye to his mom. God damn him. <laughs> he throws the phone. He's he's petulant at this point, which also works for his character. It's not just a stupid thing, but it is kind of like, come on, man. Like, I just broke you out of prison, and now you have me killing all these people also. D give me a break, Mom. <laughs> I just want to play PlayStation, man. <laughs> we fast forward six months later, and the movie's still not being made. No. Six months later, <laughs> Megan and Reggie get married, and Mike has recovered from his injuries. He delivers a speech. Mind you, before he does this, steals the spotlight by standing up in his wheelchair at the wedding. Pick your timing, dude. <laughs> he delivers a speech at the wedding before later asking Marcus to help him catch the shooter, but Marcus refuses, fearing someone else will get hurt, and he insists that he is retired. After leaning, learning Mike is awake, Armando uploads his body cam footage of him shooting Mike. Mike goes to Rita for help, but is also met with the same refusal. What is Reggie's appeal? <laughs> I, I hate to say it. Maybe the dude can fuck. I was going to say, 12 inches of appeal, Joe. <laughs> dude can get down. He can lay pipe. Yeah, I see. Yeah, he got a lead pipe in those marine pants. Uh <laughs> the the whole fake out at the beginning of this scene, because once again, just like the opening, right? Yeah. This scene is played like a funeral. Yes, it for is. For the first several beats before you pull back from the priest saying, now if anyone has any objections, <laughs> but they even give him lines to say out of order to make it play better yeah 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 the uh you know what's funny is this remind actually this fake out reminds me of uh endgame okay because at the end of that remember you know tony stark oh yeah, yeah his yeah. funeral well all the actors didn't know it was supposed to be filmed as a funeral mm -hmm. they thought they were going to a wedding oh and that these two major characters are gonna get married and so like tom holland has told the story several times he's like yeah i got the script and they were like it's a wedding you're going to a wedding and okay. And you know, look, look kind of like, you know, serious and all that stuff. And you get there and you realize, no, we're killing Tony Stark. <laughs> My gosh. Cause it was one of the first scenes that they shot. Okay. And so that was kind of like, Oh my God, I can't. So when they did this fake out, I was like, makes sense. Right. <laughs> I can buy it. Uh, Michael Bay is the MC though. Yeah, he is. He can't be director, but he'll direct this wedding. <laughs> and Michael Bay well, I don't know whose line delivery is worse, Michael Bay's or DJ Khaled's. They're both pretty rough. It's pretty rough. But Michael Bay is like a little throwaway. You know, you're not getting like a whole lot of uh, exposition dump from him. But he's the MC. He's yeah. supposed to be the one that can talk. That's <laughs> <laughs> not the butcher. <laughs> uh, when when Mike stands up, and he's like he's delivering this speech of like love is hard and like dude your uh, reason d'etre is that you're a playboy <laughs> right your whole thing is that you love him and leave him didn't he say earlier in this uh in the in the movie that he ain't never loved anybody yeah 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 and uh when he turns to marcus and like he kind of cheers and he's like you know your dad and i got this saying and everyone says you know the die together yes ride together die together thing and i'm like do they have shirts printed <laughs> like, 
that they hand out to their friends and family. At the reunion, they all get a purple shirt that says "Ride Together" and the Bexes die, die together. Lowry <laughs> Burnett, twenty twenty. <laughs> Uh, this is Captain Howard, and it's a subdued version of him now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's less cartoony. And I, I like the cartoony, but this one feels real, living in a real world. I'm going with this Captain Howard, because Captain Howard's getting older, too. Mm -hmm. And that being said, I want to kill the directors for what they do to Captain Howard later. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like the fact that not just Marcus is subdued, Captain Howard is more subdued. They took, mm -hmm. it, it took the volume down from 10 to 9. 10 to, 10 to 8. Yeah. Uh, Marcus and Mike's discussion is one of the best conversations these two have ever had. I love Marcus's restraint, and I really like Mike's quiet desperation here. They don't feel like caricatures of themselves anymore. The series has grown up. Uh, everyone's got these, like, really great emotional beats through here. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked this better, like I was saying, than Marcus just praying on his own. Okay. Like, you get... For me, this is where kind of the heartstrings get tugged a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, you feel Mike's frustration, which is not something you get in the other ones. Like, you get, you know, kind of like adolescent, yeah, yeah. in the yeah. other ones. Here you get a grown man who is facing his limitations. And you know what? I don't I, I say this. I personally like the church scene before this mm -hmm. because it gives gravity to what Marcus is saying. And mm -hmm. that he's done this bargain, and now this is him trying to tell Mike, look, there's another dude in my life that I've made a bargain to also. Right. You know, and based on what I just saw from you, I might be seeing him soon. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah. Now, okay. The guy, Armando, he uploads it. Did he do it for the gram? Oh. <laughs> Did he do it for the followers? Classic criminal these days. <laughs> I mean, it would have gone huge on Vine. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace, Vine. <laughs> uh, when you get this little, like, they do some really cool, um, I think, pushing the, the story forward yeah. through little quick montage kind of scenes. You get Mike working out. Mike has been in a hospital bed for six months, basically. He, he couldn't stand. This, like... He's still doing rehab. Yeah. Dude looks ripped. He's toned. Yeah. I mean, in Kill Bill, the bride, you know, has to, like, retrain her toes to be able to drive. And here he's like... Just busting out who knows how many push-ups. I had shoulder surgery a year ago, and I'm still like, oh, it's a little stiff in the mornings. Well, yeah, but you're not Will Smith, you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, let me look at, see here, because I have a theory on why he looks the way he does in this. Okay. And that is, I believe this was the Will Smith resurrection mm -hmm. uh, off of the afterlife time actor. Okay, so he did, this was 2020. So there's Bad Boys for Life. After that, he does... These are producers. Why do you put producer first? On I... <laughs> no one looks up a producer. Okay. Uh, 2020. Uh, let's see. Bad Boys for Life. King Richard was next. Uh -huh. And then Emancipation. Before Bad Boys for Life, he was coming off of Aladdin, which I thought he was good in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had done Gemini Man, which nobody saw. Yes. Uh, and because he was in that three ways, nobody saw him three times. So <laughs> I think this movie was kind of like his, because he did Bright Before Then, another one that people shit on, mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't think was bad. I thought it was an interesting premise. 
uh, Collateral Beauty, De- a Suicide Shot, uh, Squad, Concussion. He went through a a rough four years. <laughs> yes, right there. And so I think when this movie is started again, because around that time, that's when Martin Lawrence kind of gives up on the whole bad boy thing. It's not going to happen. Right. Will Smith is the one trying to resurrect his career. And I, when you when you hear about what you just said, which is that you know he got shot like six times in this movie, and now here he is six months later, and he's jumping all over shit. I think was, this was him influencing some of the stuff on screen. Like, hey, instead of me just fall to the ground, can I just jump on this one little thing right here and ride it across? Mm-hmm. It, it'd look really cool if I did that. And no one's gonna say you know the multi million dollar actor. So they go, yeah, sure, we'll shoot it that way. It does look cool. They put it in there, but it's not realistic. It's, uh, he's getting a little Tom Cruise-y. But Tom Cruise does his own stunts and looks good doing it. It's true. This one, And Tom Cruise doesn't get shot in his movies. He, he did fall out of the sky. <laughs> Has Tom Cruise ever been shot in his movies? Oh, shit. I don't know. Was he I shot mean, in Collateral? Yeah, he gets shot in Collateral. Okay, that's but, one. Yeah, and <laughs> born on the 4th of July. He was shot or was he blown up? Mm. <laughs> that's a good point that is a distinction to be made and i don't recall because something been... tells me that you could count the number of movies tom cruise has been shot in on your hand yeah and that's it yes anyway we'll talk about tom cruise later i'm sure <laughs> why didn't rita and mike work out uh this question could use an answer she seems very level-headed so it seems like she could either make it work or or would have been too smart to get with him in the first place. <laughs> Very fair. Very fair. Yes. And I'll say this, unlike in the previous movies, at least the women in this have a purpose. Yes. They're functional human beings in society. And they're not played just for uh, the sexual appetite. Yeah. The, the joke of like, I'm not telling my wife what's really happening that we're taking a uh, tail or whatever. On right. The, like, like that was just an extended goof in retrospect that seems so stupid now doesn't yeah. it yeah real real dumb yeah there may be a change in my grade <laughs> this movie's hurt the other ones i can see it okay mike takes it upon himself to find a shooter he visits a retired criminal named manny the butcher dj Khaled, and beats his hand with a hammer until he gives up the name of a guy named booker grassy who would have info on the owner of the motorcycle and therefore the shooter uh, I said this earlier, Marcus has his best life as a retired person, but he's already annoyed his family. <laughs> his This whole little montage back and forth of like them doing the prep work, but yeah. uh, they shoot Marcus's recliner like it's a Dodge Charger. <laughs> like these sweeping <laughs> shots and the light shooting through the windows. And he's like grabbing the Barker lounger. The, the when, you said, when you said you were doing home repairs and it was a ceiling fan, I pictured Marcus. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's about what it was like, too. <laughs> the, the wings just flew off. <laughs> Nearly killed my family. Uh, DJ Khaled delivers lines like he's not aware he's in a movie. He says like 10 random sentences all at the same time. <laughs> and I thought that it was going to be like real chopped up. Right. Kind of make him work. No, this is like one shot and there's no connective tissue. Like it's just he's just saying stuff. There's it doesn't go together in his mind i want to see if they have it as a as a quote on imdb because it doesn't do it justice just to hear us talk about it there's let's see here uh that's captain howard no they didn't even put it on here 
as, as famous quotes from this movie. But it is literally like 10 sentences that have no connective tissue, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike is getting dark in this. Mm -hmm. um, this is, the, and right now I already know this is the best bad movie already. It's the best one so far. It's got the most range. It's got the most depth. Yeah. And it's like playing in the world the most. It's taking everything seriously. Yeah. Which you're supposed to. Yeah. You know, when <laughs> Martin Lawrence shouldn't be like mugging, hiding behind a toilet in a gunfight. Now, uh, and we've, I brought it up before, uh, Nothing to Lose. Yes. Yes. Great movie. Yeah. But tonally, the first two are closer to that. Yes. Where everything is kind of cartoony, uh, over the top in that way. This one, they're like, we can kind of do both. We can still have these crazy action scenes, but we're going to ground it in some sense of reality. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when, you know, Eddie Murphy did Beverly Hills Cop. Mm -hmm. And although very, very funny, he knew when to pull back and be serious. Yes. In those movies. And I can't wait for four to come out. I love the series except for three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Is the Bad Boys trilogy the inverse of the Beverly Hills Cop movies? In that one and two in Beverly Hills Cop are great, mm -hmm. three is garbage. And in this, one and two are, eh, and three is great. So we'll just have to wait for both part fours to come out. To <laughs> And we introduce Forky, everybody. Forky is coming to stage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike and the team go to a warehouse where Grassy is going to make the drop. Mike quickly catches Grassy. Is nope. nope. Skipped a whole part there. Yep. Mike goes to Captain Howard, <laughs> who begrudgingly has him go along with ammo to find Grassy. Mike quickly butts heads with Rafe since he's a smart ass, but Kelly and Dorn respect Mike's status as a detective. There's my Captain Howard. Mm -hmm. There he is. Mr. Cartoon is back right there, but not like he was before. Well, if he had continued on that same line from previous, <laughs> he would have died of an aneurysm. Oh, yeah. Years ago. Woosa. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's so many conflicts of interest here with Mike joining Ammo, though. Yeah. Like, this is where I go, okay, did Michael Bacon in doctor the script a little bit? <laughs> it's, uh, Mike's going to, he's going to observe. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Sure. Right, sure he is. Uh, the tall guy in Ammo is one of the final contestants. I said that earlier yeah. in the 74th Hunger Games. Okay, then we go to Mike and the team go to a warehouse where Grassy's going to make a drop. Mike quickly catches that Grassy's trying to rip the guys off and will get himself killed. A shootout begins, and Mike tries to get Grassy out of there, but after fighting off the other thugs, Grassy is blown back by an explosion and is impaled by a forklift. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> it's so beautiful. He dies before Mike can get any info out of him. And this is exactly why they didn't want you on the site, Mike. <laughs> when? What did they think was going to happen with Mike on this team? <laughs> so Mike is the only one who clocks that the, that the bag is empty. Yes. Which... What kind of villains walk around with just an empty bag? They didn't like put phone books in it or anything. Like some, some puts like foam in it or something. So it doesn't look limp. Yes. <laughs> it's got no weight. It's just kind of like flopping around. And, <laughs> and he's the only one who like, who figures out what's happening. To be fair though, they didn't exactly go in stealth, stealth style. Okay. They use ammo uses DJI uh, Mavic drones. Okay. Which I don't know that they have like a uh, police military counterpart. These are things you can pretty much buy at Best Buy. So they're loud. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not a stealth drone. It would sound like one to four weed eaters. 
hovering their way through through this body shop that they're the shootout is happening in. So what you're saying is Mike's way may have been better. <laughs> yeah. The uh which did you see uh, ambulance? Yes. Okay. We we we've we've had differing opinions on this movie. Yes. <laughs> but the drone work in ambulance, I mean, they use the drones and then they use the drones in the movie. It's yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. Uh but here they do the classic movie thing of these aren't angles that you can get. <laughs> like they're showing where it's at. And I'm like, none of this is lining up. Right. It's going to kind of go with it, I guess. But it did ping me in the moment. I was like, nah. Yeah. It makes you go, you know what? Maybe this was a moment where you needed CGI for a drone. You yeah. know, some futuristic thing that we don't even know about's out there yet. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, the bat copter thing. The from, bat copter. Yeah. From, from rises with the propeller on the bottom. I love that you're referencing these movies. now. <laughs> we'll talk about that later too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vanessa Hudgens can handle a, Oh shit. That guy just got impaled on a forklift. <laughs> this scene is nuts. I love the fact that they don't cut away on the forklift scene. Mm -hmm. It's in and we'll, we'll wait there for a second. You see a little bit of blood drip off. I didn't know I wanted that in this movie. <laughs> But I got it, and I'm happy. Uh, they also drop an entire car on a man. That like, happens too. A whole car. Like yes. The uh, the lift falls, and the guy just bloop, gone. <laughs> and then why did <laughs> Rita shoots a smoke bomb or a gas bomb, and then she takes her mask off to talk to them? Yeah. What was the point of the mask then? Is it a, what kind of gas bomb is it? I'm wondering. Well, it was some kind of green gas. Green yeah. in movies means bad. <laughs> I learned that from, from, uh, the rock, another Michael Bay joint. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but she shoots it and it puffs out. And then she walks up to Mike, takes her mask off and starts talking to him. I was like, you leave it on, you grab him, you get out. And it's kind of the end of the action scene when she shoots it. Yeah. It's not like in the midst of the chaos. It's like everything is pretty much done. She's like, it, almost felt like it. it was like seven o'clock on a shooting day. And they're like, guys, just go home. <laughs> we'll figure this out in post. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Marcus gets a call from a snitch named Carvey Remy, Carver Remy, who claims that Armando is following him and trying to kill him. He asks Marcus for help, who then tries to contact Mike, but he ignores Marcus since he sees him as a quitter. Even has him in his cell phone as quitter. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's rough. Yeah, I didn't know it fell out like that, though. Jeez, bad boys for life. Yeah, seriously, there's a whole running theme of Mike uh, calling Marcus a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> repeatedly in this movie. But you know what? I appreciate what Marcus says about that. Where he goes, yeah, bad boys for life. You died, Mike. Three times. Yeah. My contract is over. <laughs> uh, we've got a, uh, let's see. We got a balance between serious Howard and cartoon Howard in this. Mm -hmm. I can handle that. It makes his anger more authentic and not just <laughs> all the time. Well, I sound like Cartman there. <laughs> um, why does Mike and the Rafe kid have beef? Okay. So I clocked this later. Okay. That when they go to the club, uh, Rafe is like the DJ. He knows the bouncers. I think Rafe is Mike 2.0. Oh! He, he's taking over the hot shot, kind of rich, fancy lifestyle cop 
that Mike has been. And so that's where they, they butt heads. I gotcha. Too many cocks in the hen house. There you go. All right. Um, yeah, because I was wondering, I was like, oh, maybe it's a generation thing, like Z versus X and all that shit. No, I think they're they're too close. They're almost two peas in a pod. No, I, I like yours better. Yeah. I like that better. Um, <laughs> eventually, Mike picks up and joins Marcus in going to find Remy. But once they get to his hotel, Remy's body hits Marcus's car. <laughs> Teresa's car. Teresa's car. <laughs> Mike runs into the hotel and fights Armando, managing to pull his mask off, but finding himself stunned when he sees himself. Oh, wait, wrong movie. <laughs> Sees Armando's face. He manages to get away. I laughed at this entire scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and here's the, th- and I'm going to skip over to this. Where it says, uh, when the body hits Marcus's car, I am laughing out loud on my own at home. <laughs> uh-huh. And then his wife calls and all he goes, is, she knows. She, she always knows. knows. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel his pain so much. And I'm like, we've seen three movies of this now, man. Of course she knows. Mm-hmm. When you leave the house, shit's going to get broken. <laughs> You're going out with Mike. I mean, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> Uncle Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Keep him close to the family. <laughs> Um, I do like the dynamic now between Marcus and Mike. My biggest problem with the last movie was how uneven Marcus was written. Mm-hmm. This movie, Marcus is consistent. Yeah, I I think there's one scene later that I didn't love, uh, but he is a lot more even keeled. Yes. And sticks to his purpose. Right. Now, mind you, they're going here because Marcus has to drop off the kid. You brought little Marcus on a murder investigation? (laughs) Now Will Smith is the voice of reason. Yes. Uh, Mike should have stayed with Marcus's sister. Why is that not brought up? Does is this going to be like an ongoing theme with the movie, which is Mike always ends with the girl, but starts the next movie without her? Yeah, he's he's a he's a James Bond. He's gone from Taylor Leone, hot Taylor Leone, by the way, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, to who was it is it gabriel union gabriel union uh and then now it's rita mm-hmm. but rita rita's got him at a distance yes she, she's heisman trophying him <laughs> <laughs> um rita better pan out here yeah i think in order if there is a four if there's a four. if there's a four but also kind of with my thoughts on where this should go. It's, it would be really interesting. I'm, I want to hear what you have to say about where you think it should go because okay. you've, you've, you've sprinkled this little <laughs> seed in there a couple times now, and I have not read anything you've written yet. Nice. <laughs> this is all like all new. Love it. Okay. Um, <laughs> when the body hits the car, <laughs> that better be a safer piano. <laughs> Oh my God! Just when it hits the when it hits the car, usually in those movies they do it in slow mo, mm-hmm. and it's like no, just <laughs> that these directors multiple times in this movie things that would uh, be played for like a dramatic long drawn out shot in a Michael Bay film, yeah, uh, where you might see it four or five times from different angles. Here it's just blop and it happens. You know, Mike is still healing from those bullet wounds. Yeah, very well. He's <laughs> he, he should be in excruciating pain as he flies through the window and then hits the ground from that two-story building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he gets up, rubs some dirt on it, walks it off, and watching them driving home. Fantastic. <laughs> Just because you never see that part of the movie. Right. Where the car got destroyed, it's like, oh, well, I took an Uber, I guess. No, here's him. 
<laughs> Crick, next Crick to the side. <laughs> the Uncle Mike's got to gotta be helping out with them uh, car repair bills, right? Well, okay. Was the body Mike's fault? Marcus being there is Mike's fault. Ma- well, remember, the, the body flew out of the building before Mike went upstairs. That's true. They were walking away and then it occurred. Yeah. But also that little sequence where uh, Marcus is getting the phone call. Yeah. And Mike runs upstairs and then <laughs> flies out the window. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no preamble. It's just they come rolling out onto the, the rooftop or the, the deck, or whatever it is. And look, I, I've not been in too many fights in my life. <laughs> I know this. If you're fighting and you're by a window, you don't dive through the window. You fall through the window. Mm-hmm. This was a Superman dive out the window. <laughs> this is like, fuck it. Let's destroy shit. <laughs> Mike later joins Howard at a game where the two bond at, as Howard expresses his genuine concern and care for Mike. As they are living, leaving, a bullet strikes Howard in the throat. Oh. Bad form. uh, Mike tries to revive Howard, but he dies. Mm. After his funeral, Marcus officially decides to join Mike in catching the shooter, Armando. Okay, Joey Pants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How we will miss you in four. Bringing the philosophy in, the Buddhist thing. Yes, actually doing something with it. And making sense Mm -hmm. in his own Tim Allen on home improvement way of discerning what Wilson told him outside. He does the same thing here. Yes. He is the Joe Pesci of the Lethal Weapon duo. Goofy as hell, but every now and then has that one nugget of wisdom that makes you go, ah, shit, you're right. But unlike Pesci, the emotional place he's doing it from isn't like this uh, frustrated, stymied man. Right. It is actual caring for these guys that have grown up under him. Well, and I think for me, when I was referencing, I was looking at four, the fourth movie, Mm -hmm. where... They, at one point, I can't remember who it was, but I think it was Mel Gibson. It's got Pesci by himself. And he goes, why do you do this? We pick on you all the time. We're always unfriendly. He goes, you're my family. You're the only thing that I've got. Yeah. And when it comes to family, it's what I believe we should do is always be there for each other, even when I know you guys don't want me around. And what I love about that is the very end, when they do the group photo with the family, the mother of the family, the matriarch says, Come on yeah, over. Yeah. You're part of this also. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, he's part of it now too. And that's the Joey Pants of this group is he's that extra boost of levity that you need. And now that he's gone, who's going to control Mike now? Nobody. <laughs> he's uncontrollable. Uh, yeah, let's see. They killed Howard. Fuck that. <laughs> that I'm personally ki- <laughs> now I'm personally pissed off. Kill Armando. I'm ready to climb to the screen and do it myself. <laughs> uh, two notes. One, the the ref for the, the local <laughs> boys league g- basketball game or whatever it is, yeah. is like, I can help the, captain Howard has been shot through the neck. Like, <laughs> and, and it's a big sport. Like it's, it it's happens. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, I can do this. <laughs> like, no honey, I'm sorry. You can't. Yeah. She can do that as much as Joey pants, daughter or son, whoever's playing can make shots. Yeah. Which by the way, clearly hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't believe they they killed Howard though. I no. want I want to rewind the movie back to where he was alive, and not shot through the throat. I did not see that scene coming when I saw it in the theaters, and I remember sitting there gasping, just like, 
no. <laughs> and even as the scene fades out, I'm like, it, it he's okay. Right. Or maybe he's going to be like, something is going to happen. He's going to be crippled from this point forward. Something. He's in the ICU at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nothing. No. Just, just a, just a tombstone. Well, Marcus got in uniform for that funeral. He retired, though. Yeah, what is... How does that work? <laughs> What's the protocol on that? Yeah. Is he allowed to line up with the other cops up there, too, and salute? And uh, I'm always fascinated by the 21-gun salute. I like it. Going off to the side there. Yeah. Um, if there was one thing that was going to get Marcus off the couch, though, I guess this would be it. Save a murder of his own family member. This makes me wish we had more Captain Howard earlier to like especially him and marcus to justify that a little more yeah it'd been nice in the previous movies that they had established that marcus and howard had a relationship also yes like beyond just just colleagues yeah um and that scene where they're trashing his house (laughs) (laughs) that's a nice fish (laughs) (laughs) call teresa (laughs) (laughs) I'll be home right away. Okay. Uh, One last time. I like how this is shot with both men contemplating the decision rather than just saying we ride together, we die together. There there is a time where they are sitting there just kind of looking at each other, looking off, just trying to figure out what they're going to do. And then they go into it instead of just going, fuck it, let's just kill everything now. (sighs) Yeah. The, uh, The filmmaking in this backs up the thematics. Yes. Because... Is this the shot where they're on uh, Mike's porch or the the rooftop pool area that yeah. he has? And the camera, it's on a drone, uh, pushes in. Funny, I didn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the camera pushes in and Mike is framed alone in a very traditional shot with like the, the skyline across the, the water uh, across from him. Uh, and then it pulls back as Marcus steps into the frame. Yeah. Which technically would make no sense because it's not like he's kind of surprised, <laughs> but his buddy is right there. Like, what is he just, he's waiting six feet away, but it's showing them coming together in the same shot, looking over the city that they are protecting. Yeah. Yeah. And again, do you know your cops in your town? Hmm. We talked about this in the first movie. Yeah. Like this is our town. Yeah. No, no, you're just two cops. You're just two guys. You're two guys. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and Marcus go off to find a shady broker named Picante Jenkins. Picante. I love, I love these names. <laughs> Booker Grassy, Picante John Jenkins. Okay, for a lead. Anybody just, anybody just named Mark anymore? Oh, Marcus. Marcus. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. They enter Jenkins' motel room where he is coked out of his mind. Marcus tries to appeal him on in a, on a personal level, but it only gets him punched hard ammo soon comes in with marcus having called them and they taste jenkins they tase oh they tase don't taste them they tase (laughs) jenkins to the ground after getting jenkins files they recognize zuelo and plan to track him next marcus's first day back in retirement he gets his ass whooped by a coked out orange mountain (laughs) (laughs) uh that actor's name picante's name yeah in real life is happy anderson (laughs) (laughs) it's so good I love it. Uh, I'm going fast food fist fuck you. What? What? Huh? What? what does that mean? I don't know what it meant, but I was like, I'm laughing. Uh, then let's see, Marcus calling ammo. This is smart writing. So him bringing them in 
and he's actually working for Mike, but also kind of against Mike's wishes. And I think that that's so interesting to do to like actually make him, they wrote him to the top of his intelligence in this one. Yeah. They, uh, they Marcus is showing Mike. Yeah. I'm joining you with strings. Yes. I'm not doing what I did before. I'm gonna play the smart. I'm not just going to trust you anymore. And I think Mike is put off by that. Cause normally it's always been just Marcus trust Mike to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's, Marcus is trust in ammo. Yeah. I, I can't trust you, Mr. Revenge. But there's all of uh, these notes of like bringing family together, bringing uh, this, uh, the fast and furiousification well, of this, if you will. I knew you were going to like this movie because you said previously you like it when things all come together. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie, it's all coming together. There's family in this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I really like how the tech guy in the series is always something you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. I said that earlier. And apparently they're going to go to a couple clubs. <laughs> I like they immediately, they're like, oh, it's his birthday. Oh, there's three clubs that he would go to. Like, and Rafe, Rafe knows it. Rafe, Rafe knows. Yeah. So this is another one of those notes where it's like, oh, shit, Rafe is your man about town. Uh, but the fact that he knows the three like drug dealer clubs <laughs> right off the bat cracked me up. Okay, so if Rafe is, as you said, new Mike, mm-hmm. um, and by the end of this, Dorn, Mr. Peace, is kind of like your new Marcus. Yeah. Do you have the potential to not move on with Will and, Mar- uh, Will and Martin Lawrence, mm-hmm. but you could do it with this group and have them move forward with the series? Another, this is a, uh, a side from where my original pitch is, yeah. right? But them moving into the Howard role would be very interesting. Oh. And then you have like their protégés under them. And then you have all four of them butting heads, but you have them as like the older, wiser guys who literally can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. No. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. The team goes to a club <laughs> where they find Zuelo who does not look how I expected with that name. Uh, <laughs> after attempting to arrest him, he runs for it and the team must fight his goons. Mike and Marcus hop on a motorcycle and sidecar with Marcus having to break his promise to God and use a machine gun to fight off the incoming thugs. They ride into the streets to pursue Zuelo, who then attempts to board a chopper ladder. The Mike runs off and latches on the ladder. Mind you, he was shot. <laughs> <laughs> just an hour ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Mike runs off and latches onto the ladder as well. Armando shoots Zuelo off to get a better shot at Mike. He tells him, hasta luego, before Mike lets go and falls into the water, also not hurting him. He's up pretty high in that water. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to start. I'm going to harness my inner misogynist. Uh-huh. Damn, Rita. Oh my gosh, Rita. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's a Martin Lawrence thing. Damn, Rita. Okay. Damn, Rita's working that dress. I need 10 minutes. This is not an <laughs> undercover dress. Uh, the <laughs> you can't run in that dress. No. The uh, Everybody else, they're looking pretty, like, they're not drawing attention to themselves. She is like, I'm going to be the siren of this club. <laughs> And she is. Yes. <laughs> she has to she has to fight dudes off, basically. It's uh yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know what to say right now. <laughs> uh well you Just have that dress, goddamn. 
uh, you have a uh, handsome punchable uh, Rafe. Oh God, yeah. And does it doesn't he does he uh, like in, insinuate that Marcus and Mike are gay? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> when he introduces like them, yeah. I think that's how he played it off. Okay, <laughs> that's why Mike's like, oh, I see, I see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the lady bouncers at the front of the club, yes, love Rafe. And he's out there. He looks like a refugee from like a late 90s video, though, with like his like kind of silky, sparkly shirt and his little glasses. How did they get Vanessa Hudgens' character to get a job in the champagne room up there so quickly? The, I was confused because Mike and Marcus, not even on the guest list. Right. Rafe working the DJ booth. <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens delivering cocktails. Like... The plan's kind of all over the place. And, and Rita... Wake up, daddy Some. <laughs> um, the revealing of personal relationship stuff is a callback joke to bad boys, too. Bad form. That's lazy. Don't reuse the jokes. Okay. Argument. I'm listening. Argument. They do the same thing with that joke that they did with the, the pan-up shot at the beginning. They, they start down that path... And then they like swerve, they swerve. They say, Hey, and we could, the writing is actually funnier on this one. I feel like it is the beginning of the joke is he's, uh, trying to relate that. He looks up free, free porn on the internet. (laughs) I look up some things and he's he's like, it's been so long, (laughs) but I also, I mean, this is like the best buy joke. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the, I mean, when they're in the best buy, it's the same thing, but it doesn't go nearly as long. Right. That's what I appreciate. If you're going to do it, make it speedy. Yes. Um, Zuelo, when he gets caught, he just kind of walks past Mike and Marcus. The hell? Like he does like a little arm shove around them and just starts running. And I'm like, right there. Your your bullet hurts now? Yeah. (laughs) That's right when, right before he grabs onto the, like the second story, uh, lighted pole thing and rides it down <laughs> to the ground. I'm like, Peter Pan. What are the odds that that worked out like that? There's so many times in these movies where I'm like, just the beauty of the construction of the action piece yeah. makes me happy. And that's one of them where it's like, he rides it down and jumps off the DJ booth. And it's so cool. Like you almost wonder like beforehand when they were in the, the car with ammo going, okay, where is everybody going to be stationed? Okay. How can you get out of here? Well, there'll be a drape. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen an Errol Flynn uh, pirate film? <laughs> I have a knife. I'm going to get to the top and ride it all the way down that sail. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, when there's a, a moment earlier where they were talking about uh, that they are using rubber rounds because they're shooting in public. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> Mike is complaining about this, but he pings Zuelo in the bean, like right in the computer. And it leaves this giant welt that Marcus cannot stop pushing, which cracked me up. I loved it. That was awesome. Um, now, mind you, everyone was dressed for success when they walked in that club. Mm-hmm. They have had no time. When did they change clothes into tactical gear? And where? <laughs> like, are, are they running through the club, like strapping on vests or something? Like, was it all in the back of the truck? And they were like, okay, we maybe have two minutes. Get dressed. It's like, the fight's already over. Yeah. 
uh, and they're bumping elbows in there and trying to like <laughs> get out of their silky shirts and everything. Not trying to look at Vanessa and Rita. There's no way Rita is getting out of that dress that quickly. That thing was she like got, she comes over, she might. <laughs> 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 oh that got me uh, uh, we didn't bring up yet their tactical wagon oh they god drive around the the crab mobile or whatever it is they call it at least it doesn't say swat on the side <laughs> yes the uh but it is a looks like a fisherman's delivery uh truck or something because it's got crabs painted on the side yeah uh, and it's supposed to be on the outside it looks like a junker on the inside it's you know tricked out with all their cool stuff yeah i prefer that for undercover as opposed to like the black van yes like, absolutely i could see this on the road and be like oh that's nothing yeah you think uh, it's a dirty old food truck but i just said something that makes me wonder uh is ammo like their swat team i don't think so because you'd need more like action dudes in it right well you'd need well, but okay. Vanessa Hudgens can handle a gun. Mm -hmm. Rita can handle a gun. Yeah, yeah. Dorn, I mean, he's big. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll get to Dorn. Yeah. yeah Dorn gets his moment. Um, just wondering where SWAT is in all this. Like, wouldn't they be the ones you call for this shit? <laughs> yeah. At which point do you're like, okay, we're going to infiltrate this entire club with with about half a dozen people one of which just came out of retirement and one of which has been shot multiple times. <laughs> and both don't don't look like they should be in the club. Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, let's see here. It's like an angry white man's basement in here. How come they didn't say that when they looked in Mike's trunk earlier? Uh, Mike has some issues. <laughs> Hauling around that much uh, firepower. Yeah. Didn't and he, he have like a, a, a rocket launcher in there? Yeah. <laughs> Marcus asked him why he was around because I want it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Looks good in the back seat, which, by the way, that car will be so weighted down in the back. Yeah. Holy hell. Um, bad boys of the Bible, baby. <laughs> okay, there's bad boys too, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. This is the scene where, uh, as Mike is trying to reason with him yep. back into getting into the fight, I'm like, I don't think you needed quite as much uh, because it makes his intelligence, his intellect, bounce around a little too much. Yeah, it does. And I'm like... I think you see his, you see your team put under this kind of pressure. It is okay to respond. And, uh, you know, you're not going back on a deal with God. God's the one to give you the gun. Right. <laughs> Remember, God doesn't make bargains. You know who does? The devil. <laughs> Marcus. Okay. Uh, good shot with Mike putting the sidecar under the trailer of the truck. I thought that was cool looking shot. Oh, yeah. Uh, it reminded me of Christmas vacation though. <laughs> he gets stuck yeah. under the trailer. Uh, and then I realized Mike is turning into a Maury Sue. Mm -hmm. I want this term to stick in pop culture. He's a master motorcyclist knocking Marcus out of the way with his bike. So great at everything. Mike's been doing all this training. Marcus is at his Barker lounger era. Fair, <laughs> Mike fair has enough. been training. I don't know that he's been training to ride a motorcycle <laughs> and uh, the just the physics, right? Like picture a game of pool and you have to like line up all the shots. And that's what he's doing when he's kicking the sidecar around well, here's <laughs> this the thing. bridge. If you had told me he was in a car and he did it, I could understand that. We see him drive cars the entire time quite recklessly, but proficiently. Yeah. He's never been on a motorcycle <laughs> in the series. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Maury Sue. Okay. Um, 
Back at headquarters, Mike has Doran look up files based on the phrase Armando said. Mike realizes Isabella is behind all this. He explains to Marcus that before they teamed up, he was deep undercover in the Aretas cartel, and he had a relationship with Isabel before he had to throw her in jail and get her husband killed. Hasta el fuego was a phrase they came up with that was nonsensical, but was supposed to mean together until the flames burn out. Then why wouldn't you just fucking say that? She was also heavily into witchery. Oh! <laughs> Which gave her the nickname La Bruja. Mike concludes that Armando is his son and that she has been grooming him for revenge since all the victims were on the same case against the Aretas family. After realizing he knows the truth, Isabel contacts Mike and arranges for him to meet her in Mexico City to end things. Wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. I was always under the impression that Marcus and Mike have known each other since high school. How did Marcus not know about Mike going undercover for that long? So there was... Is it in part one or part two where there's a scene with a yearbook? That's one because he's with Teresa and they're looking at, Will Smith is looking at Martin Lawrence's old picture. Yeah. Yeah. So is the OG bad boys, like, is this early on in their team up? Because the timeline here, they're talking about like, he's been married for 25 years. They've been together or they've been teamed up for 25. He's been married for 26. Like all this kind of, they're getting all these details in here. And I'm like, if I made a chart, does this make sense? <laughs> Let's see. Bad Boys mm -hmm. was 1995. Yeah. This is 25 years later. So it would have had to have been because they... They had to be like three or four years into the career at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But Mike was undercover deep enough in a Mexican cartel. What? what Fresh out of high school. Yeah, what part of the Miami PD is doing these international? <laughs> and apparently when it goes sideways, they just pull him out. Well, Bad Boys too. we had that question where they go to Cuba all of a sudden. It's like, yeah. you, you can't operate over there. <laughs> You're just the cops. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know, Mexico City seems like you probably can't just fly down there. <laughs> Commercial. Commercial. <laughs> um, okay, we get... Armando is Mike's son. Got a nice twist. Mm -hmm. And Isabel is why Mike is the way he is. Now it all makes sense. Okay. So this is, this is modern blockbuster filmmaking. Listen. This is your, your lore drop. Right? Yeah. You, you have all of this backstory that I feel like. Mm. We needed the psychology of the moment. Why is Mike the way he is? We have to answer that question. Yes. And uh, it's something that I feel like got lost in between like your Lethal Weapon 1 and Die Hard original kind of modern action films. Yeah. And this era, there was a whole section in the middle where it's like, eh, we, we kind of don't care, right? Like <laughs> you don't have John McClane going through a divorce, which also fuels his character. Right. You just kind of have like all this shorthand. And here we are dumping it back in and... I could understand how this could bother people here. Like okay. this big lore dump, this big kind of twist. But I thought it was cool. I liked it. Yeah. I liked the twist. Um, I'm glad they didn't do like a, <laughs> you know, a de-aging of Mike for this oh, like yeah. they did in, uh, what was the movie that he did before oh, this? Jiminy Man? Gemini Man. Jiminy yeah. Man. Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that, it, 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 he, I'm glad that uh, Armando looks like Arnold Armando. Yeah. Good for him. Um, but I also, I also like the fact that when Armando finds out, and we'll find talk about this later. When Armando finds out that Isabel 
uh, slept with Mike, there's almost that thing where I'm sitting there going, if I'm Armando right now, I'm going, what are the ages again? Yeah. Who's, how old are you, Mike? Mom, I, we, I still don't know. <laughs> so how old is Will Smith in 2020? 19, oh. He's born in 68. So that's what? 68, 78, 88, 98, 08, 18. We're, we're looking at 55. Yeah. Roundabout. Yeah. So he could conceivably have a 25 to 30. Easy. 30-year-old. Yeah. But even, okay, how old is Armando? Yes. And how old is Isabel? <laughs> Okay, Isabel Kate de Castillo, del Castillo was born in 1972 in Mexico City. Okay, so that's seven years older than me, so 51. She's 51 years old. Ooh. Jesus, they age well, don't they? <laughs> Salma Hayek, del Castillo, God bless you. There's something in the water. I'm moving. Good for her. I know. Like, I'm looking at these. I just looked it up here. I was like, actress, the book of life. I'm like, fuck you. It's just bad boys for life. That's what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so 55, 51, okay. Armando, 25. Yeah, this, okay. It's just that everybody stopped aging at a certain point, except for Martin oh, Lawrence. <laughs> right, right. He's the only one who looks like his age. Yeah. Um, okay, The regardless, the conversation between Marcus and Mike are much better in this movie than the previous ones. Um, <laughs> that being said, I love the line, how you fuck a witch without a condom? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And the callback later during the credits where he asks the other passenger, would you fuck a wood out of condom? <laughs> right. And he goes, I would not. I would not. <laughs> Mark, he would not, Mike. <laughs> the, uh, Marcus is much more insightful, which suits his character. Yes. Like he is the calm, thoughtful one and always has been. Yeah. And so they actually give him those moments in this and Marcus's takedowns of Mike being too impetuous and rash and always going for the glory, that kind of stuff are pointed for they're very insightful. Yeah. And Mike just calls Marcus a quitter and a bitch. Right. Right. <laughs> Repeatedly, but also kind of works for the character. It's not like they're going back to the lazy writing no. where they're just bickering, just to bicker. It actually, they're kind of like an old married couple at this point where they, <laughs> they know the buttons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that you're right. When Marcus has something to say, when Marcus is retaliating, his retaliation tends to shut up Mike. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's about time. Yeah. You know, you stand up for yourself and do that. But uh, the uh, the witch. Yeah. Uh, was Isabel, right? Mm -hmm. Up to this point, she's been the puppeteer. Oh, she's been the emperor in this movie. Yeah, she's just sitting back. She is, uh, she's about the vibes right like yeah. she's on this roof there's a weird saint statue that she's praying to she's doing she's crossing dudes out of, of these pictures <laughs> uh and it's just they give her a sense of uh ominous and importance without having to do a lot with her well it's also that you know yeah america being what it is watching this movie you go to any radical sides of any religion and, and including Christianity, and you'll see some, you know, you know, handling snakes and all that shit. Right, right. Um, here is a radical side of another religion, 
and it looks foreign, so we automatically think it's witchcraft. Yeah. You know, it's it's leading into that idea that your average American isn't very worldly mm-hmm. and says, oh, well, she's praying to saints? What the fuck are those? <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> um, the ammo team heads to Mexico for the final showdown with Isabel ordering Mike to meet them in an old palace. Cool. All right. The old guys got their team. Rita versus Isabel. And a matter for Mike's dig dog. <laughs> uh, when Mike is they're firing on Armando. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Mike goes, the shooter, he's mine. Mark is like, yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Dorn better throw some hands in the seat. Dude. He, I mean. He does. Yeah. He comes to play. The. It's a short, brief time that he does it. Yeah. But, but it's just enough. The, uh, he gets two badass moments. One is a jump punch. Which the physics of those always kind of the Superman punch. Yes. Yeah. They baffle me because I'm like, do you actually get any leverage? Can you, you, do. Do you wait behind that? Uh, S- small guys now. Okay. <laughs> uh, and knocking down the pillar. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> that was great. Uh, they engage in a firefight against Isabel's mercenaries with the ammo officers proving their skills with guns as well as physically in Dorn's case. Marcus then shoots down a sniper chopper, causing it to come crashing down to the building and starting a fire. Because we're in fuego. Get it? <laughs> yeah. Armando goes to fight Mike, but he decides to confront him as a person and reveal his parentage to Armando. He asks Isabel if it's true, and she admits it, that it is. She tries to shoot Mike, but Armando steps in the way and takes the bullet in the shoulder. Rita then shoots Isabel off the ledge to her death, sending her plummeting into the flaming wreckage straight to hell, like the emperor down a, a shaft. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Marcus almost fails. Fall, uh, Marcus almost falls over too, but Armando helps Mike pull him up and get them out of there. It's a cool set. Mm-hmm. Makes for an interesting action scene where you have a circular room with many floors. It's also creepy as hell. It was uh, video game final boss vibes, yes. right? Like you're going into the lair and they they even do the reveal where the camera kind of pulls back and shows you all the different <laughs> levels to it and everything. I had that moment today playing Baldur's Gate where I walked into a room and it looked way too bossy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, did I, am I not, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> did, did I save? Did I save? This room has way too much space mm-hmm. and no furniture. That's a problem. I need cover. I need cover. Quick, hide. (laughs) You love to hide. The main guy's a rogue. (laughs) Okay, uh, when Isabel comes down those stairs, it's like seeing a sexy emperor. So I know that I, like, call out noir stuff a lot. It's, you know, my my genre. Uh, But her coming down is like, um, oh, it's the double indemnity. Uh, coming down the staircase. It is so similar to where you have this like femme fatale character and they're using a lot of this great cinematic shorthand like with the the shot of the two guys deciding to go on the the last mission together. Yes. It's they're just like, okay, you know she's she's deadly. She she hasn't done anything. So I saw exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I sprinkled in a little spice to it. Uh-huh. Imagine that feeling in a telenovela. Yes. That was this scene. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was a tele noir vela. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, is it is it wrong that I want to see Isabel and Rita like in a like knockdown drag out cat fight? Just the two. Well, of that's them? just what we call pillow talk, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Not wrong at all. All right. All right. <laughs> um, Marcus shooting with glasses on is life changing. You'd think he would have done this years before. D can he keep up his certifications without his glasses? It's like everything's in HD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the great Doran scene. Yeah. Superman punch knocks over a column, a cement column. Uh, it, but it's very short. Like, I'm so glad that they just spent, they, they weren't like, let's keep showing this. This looks awesome. Right. They were like, this is his role. Here's Hudgens role. Here's Rita's role. Back to where we belong though up there. Uh, speaking of Hudgens, she handles her weapon. She slides into a guy's gut. Oh, like, and just turns him to soup. Just <laughs> repeatedly fires. Like she has to sever the man's backbone. Like he's coming apart. <laughs> there were so many times watching the scene. I was like, I wonder what Josh is thinking. <laughs> and that was one of them. When she puts it in his stomach and then you're right. The sound on it wasn't like, not just the gunshot, but what happens. They, they quiet everything down so you can hear. <laughs> yep. It's, it's. Viscera, once again. Viscera, yeah. again. Uh, yeah, Adil, Bilal, good job. Um, Mike gets his ass handed to him by Armando. Uh, this is not the Mike Lowry we're used to seeing. Uh, but then again, Jet Li beat the shit out of Mel Gibson in yeah. Lethal Weapon 4. Um, kill the witch. Send her to hell. That'll do it. <laughs> this whole sequence, right? They go from... Uh, walking to an action set piece yeah. to an absolute horror movie beat where Armando's hand reaches up through the floor uh -huh. and grab Mike. Oh, like, God. And this is where you see, like, the back and forth between the two of them, and it really makes sense of, like, okay, he's his kid, and blah, blah, blah. Like, you're getting all those kind of moments out of it, I think. No, it's very much, I'm not going to fight you, Dad. Yeah. Join me, son. I'm not going to fight you. Okay, well, there's the bad person. Let's throw them down a shaft. Uh, the Marcus, right? Marcus is thrown off the edge yeah. of, I don't know, floor 27 or whatever <laughs> it is of this derelict church there. And, uh, but when Armando goes to help him, like there's so many things in this movie that play out like they set it up and then they, they pay it off. Yes. It's just like clockwork and this beat where you're like, he's going to come help. He's got, he's got to have this little change of heart, you know? Uh, but he does. And I was like, Oh, Oh, it got me. Gotcha. Yeah. It got me. I'm like, Oh, he's helping. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say this as in reference to the other movies, this one pays off everything. Mm -hmm. It really does. And it's very, it's very, it's not very often that in a trilogy, the third movie does pay off everything. Mm hmm. Uh, and so I got to give it a lot of credit for that because the first two movies were kind of a rocky road, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I think we gave them C's and C pluses. I think that's what our grades were for that one. Okay. Yeah. This is clearly a step above. Yeah. Um, later on, the team is getting along better and they celebrate as Rita has been promoted to become the new captain. Rita's the captain. Uh -huh. Mike and Marcus then bond with baby Marcus singing the bad boy song to him. And Marcus fucks up the words again. <laughs> okay. So are Mike and Rita a thing now? Did you get the feeling they were at the end? I did. And, and then she kind of dips on him. Yeah. And I'm like, is, is she mess? I don't get it. I don't quite get it. I want to see it. I feel like <clears throat> the implication is she is. I am trained in the old style of action movies, which is 
guy gets the girl. Mm-hmm. Now she's happy ever after. No, but she's established herself as, in some respects, a superior version <laughs> <laughs> than Mikey is, and she's got shit to do. She's yeah. got work. You stay with the baby. I'm going to go off and do this. You know, and so I, I think the implication is she is. It's not outward, but take with it what you will. Yeah. Uh, then we get seeing the team together. Mm-hmm. Marcus, Mike, and Ammo. Family. <laughs> Fast and Furious movies. They all say that. Ride together, die together line at the end. Um, I kind of want to see it all together. This is something I could see them, uh, even if it led into Ammo having a series. Okay. Right, like a limited series uh, where they solve another crime or whatever. You get these people. Uh, there's enough meat on each character that you could see them hanging out as well as in the action scenes. Yeah. Because you kind of get, like, you get what Dorn's thing is now, and he talks about wanting to go to therapy, and everyone's kind of like, oh, right. But everyone has little character beats. Yeah. So that you could expand on them without it seeming like you're trying to, you know, shoehorn it in. Yeah, I kind of, I don't know if I'd like to see a series. I would like to see like a two-part finale. Mm, okay. And because I with a series, I'm getting echoes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. I'm getting echoes of that, where they tried to do that at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then it turned into its own little animal and ran off and no one watched it. Right. Whereas this, I want to watch these characters done justly. I just don't want to have filler episodes in the middle of all of it. The thing is, though, uh, you know, I've been rewatching X-Files. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about what is a filler episode and what did it used to be. So when you had 22, 24 episode seasons. You had to have filler episodes. But a lot of them weren't filler, right? It, it's not how they were considered at the time. Yeah. They were integral to because you didn't have necessarily one overarching plot that you were driving forward all the time. It wasn't like you're on a mission and you have this you know, bottle episode yeah. where it's like you just sit there for a while. Each episode builds, you know, the, the lore of everything. Yeah. Um, and I feel like modern shows have gotten away from that where it's like, Oh, we've got six, eight, ten episodes, and everything, all the plot has to push, push, push the whole time. Yeah. And when it doesn't, it feels like a failure because they're trying to do that. It reminds me of Supernatural, actually. Mm-hmm. Supernatural was part of that 22-episode season uh, slog that they tried to do right back in the day. And, you know, the first two seasons of that was Monster of the Week. Mm-hmm. But the C plot, not even the A or B, the C plot... Mm-hmm was this relationship of the boys. And then in season three, things get serious and they decide, let's have an overarching plot. Mm-hmm. And that's when they do the heaven and hell bit. And all of a sudden, you saw every episode, even though they stuck with the monster of the week, it became the B plot. And the A plot was what's going on with heaven and hell and all that shit. Right. And that kept you watching. And so when you started watching it from that aspect, then you automatically saw where the filler episodes were. Mm -hmm. That's when they didn't even mention heaven and hell. They were like, Oh, monster of the week. Right. That's all it is. So you'd have 22 episodes in that third season. And maybe 16 of them were part of the story. Mm -hmm. The other five, you could have done without, you know, the Christmas episode or the Halloween episode. (laughs) This is a fundamental, uh, 
point where we differ though. Yes. Because I want those hangout episodes. I want those like weird one-offs. Uh, and Supernatural has some of the best ones. Yeah. It really does because those ones are the funniest. But Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I don't need a three episode arc on Jar Jar Binks. Uh, listener, you should have seen the look of uh, consternation <laughs> and disgust on Joe's face as he. There are episodes that are just droids beeping at each other. Mm. This isn't pushing the plot along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but something like Buffy, something like X Files, uh, a lot of these shows, you loved the characters. Oh, yeah. Because you got to see them in all these different things. Also, for Ammo specifically, my brain goes to CSI. That's where I was thinking. I was yeah. thinking, or Law and Order. Yeah, that's why. I, like, well, more CSI because CSI at least kept a storyline going through. Mm -hmm. Kind of like House. House does the same thing. Yes. Uh, and it's, I'm in season three of House. I've started watching that. I've never seen it before. I started watching House. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was. I love the show now. Like, yeah. How did I miss this? Yes. Um, but I'm in season three now. And there's so many times in that that those episodes where they reference stuff from one and two. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, it's not a filler episode. This matters. Right. You know, uh, but I guess I, it, it depends on the property. I think that gets me with the fillers. Yeah. I could, cause otherwise I, I know this, if I love the property, I will defend every episode till my dying days because yes. it's my property. That's what I say it is. Right. You know, I'm pot committed at that point. Yeah. You know, and, but if it's a property, I'm kind of lukewarm. I'd be like, yeah, clone wars, 60% of it was viable. Okay. 40% of it, you, you could have cut away and nothing would have changed. But it is like, uh, I think a boiling point or like a, a big point of contention for a lot of people is uh, break, or Breaking Bad? Yes. Okay. The Fly episode of Breaking Bad, the Ryan Johnson Fly episode. I don't recall this one. Okay. Yeah. It is uh, uh, Walt and um, blah, 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 blah. What's his name? His buddy. Yes. His little buddy that does the math. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Walt. <laughs> Walt and his little buddy. Walt and little buddy um, uh, are in the lab and the product is contaminated because there's a fly in the lab. I, I vaguely remember this. The okay. whole episode is them trying to get this fly. Okay. And it's a stage play, right? It is basically them in one set yeah. pinging off of each other the whole time. And it's because of the underlying tension. A lot of people called that out as like, it's a filler episode. Blah, That's blah, not blah. a filler episode. No, it is not. No. It is It is heightening the dramatic stakes between these two characters, wherein one is manipulating the other one through lies. Yeah. And comes so close to admitting it. And I think that uh, there are so many people who, you know, they want to solve Mm. a property now you know it's like they don't want to go along with it they want to be able to post a youtube video of uh at the ending of magnolia explained or whatever <laughs> good luck yeah <laughs> see for me i i the fly episode not it's starting to come back to me i think it's one of the more important episodes mm -hmm. because and not for what you said, but for something else that I heard when you were talking, which is that the reason why these two guys in Breaking Bad were so good at growing meth is because how pure it was. Mm -hmm. You need to have an episode where they spend 42 minutes of uh -huh. the entire episode looking for just one impurification. So you see how when they go up against uh, 
Gus Fring later on. Yeah. And he's got his Labrador, or his Labradors. He's got his lab rats in the basement. And Jesse, Jesse, Jesse goes down yeah. there and is like, this place is filthy. You know where that's coming from. Yeah. It's coming from what you saw two, two seasons ago when they had a fly in the ointment and they couldn't find the fly. Yeah. Like, that's where I saw that. So for me, that's an essential episode to the character growth that they have to have. Um, but I like what you said also. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, oh, hey, before the credits roll. Yeah. Mike visits Armando in prison, offering him a chance to make up for his crimes. Armando appears to be interested, and yet we're still waiting for that sequel. <laughs> I've seen a lot of rumors online, man. <sighs> 10 years later. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's all, folks. According to the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato reader reading of 77%, 41 fresh, 12 rotten. The critics gave this film a 6.2 out of 10 on average. The critics' consensus says, loaded up with action and a double helping of leading man charisma, Bad Boys for Life reinvigorates this long dormant franchise by playing squarely to its strengths. I'd say it's spot on. Absolutely. But let's see what the assholes had to say. <laughs> Jake Cole from Slant Magazine. The film may leave you wondering what purpose this franchise serves if not to give expression to Michael Bay's nationalist, racist, and misogynistic instincts. Jake, you are too far left, my friend. That, <laughs> also, that's the first couple movies. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Gingold of Time Out says, the good news is that Bad Boys for Life isn't as obnoxiously vulgar as Michael Bay's Bad Boy 2. Which is a... It works for me. This one works for me. Okay. But I do think the uh, vulgarity, we talked about this, is a feature, not a bug, of Bad Boys 2. Also, how do we define vulgarity here? Because... You and I talked about the opening scene with the Isabel breakout. That was bloody as could be. Some would say that's vulgar. This is very true. Yeah. yeah. So, Michael, I think you need to be putting a timeout. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Mark Komodi of Kermodi and Mayo's Film Crit Review. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I just wish it wasn't. <laughs> you know what? I can't. I cannot fault that one. That's simple, sweet. Yeah. Ten words. <laughs> now, the audience gave this film a 4.75 out of 5, with 96% agreeing it's a three or higher. Mm-hmm. Audience loved this movie. Uh, movie's over. Were you entertained, Josh? I was. I was entertained. Uh, <laughs> I think that the creative team behind it leaned into what could have been seen as weaknesses, Ooh. right? With your With your actors getting older, you need to offer more dramatic heft mm-hmm. for things these days. Uh, and they acknowledge them and they approach them and they, they dealt with them on the, their, their turf. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely was entertained, but not the same way I was entertained from the first two movies. I feel like after getting everything I wanted in the second movie mm-hmm. and it being a mess, <laughs> <laughs> the rising director said, let's not give Joe anything he wants. And it ended up being great. <laughs> Which I've now started preaching this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fans should not run franchises. Hear, hear. Fans should not run franchises. Okay. Let's figure out the words got it right. Well, the Academy didn't notice it. (laughs) The Golden Globes didn't notice this. But you know who did the Saturn Awards? Because they're on top of shit. It was nominated for one movie. (laughs) 
Okay. Uh, best action adventure film, and it lost to the live action Mulan. Okay. Here, are, should I read the other ones that are in there? Yes, please okay. do. The other nominees were Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, mm-hmm. 1917, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, and The Gentleman. Now, if I'm going best action adventure movie, it's either Bad Boys or Fast and Furious for me. Hobbs and Shaw was just fucking funny. Okay. It really was. Now, I know where you're going to go with this, so go. Am I? I think I do. Am I going for 1917? I think so. Yes, I am. <laughs> that, that movie is insane. That the, uh, the Roger Deakins cinematography. Oh, wait. I'm getting 1917 mixed up with Dunkirk. Yeah. Okay, you're right. 1917 is my number one. Yeah. You're right. I forgot. Those two came around the same time, didn't they? It was like a year apart? Yeah, I think they were. Yeah. Uh, oh, 19, that's... Yeah. Those long takes, like coming across the field. Yes. With, with shit and blowing up all of them. Yes. Yeah. That is some bananas filming. I like the end. The, I think it's the third act there where the, the one guy is by himself in the village at night mm-hmm. and he can hear the guy searching. Yeah. Like that scene right there, I get anxiety watching. Uh, that's where they, they have the like the tracers or whatever going overhead. Yeah. And the whole place looks haunted. <laughs> like it's bombed out it's like in those shadows. Yes. But the live action Mulan, bitch, please. Okay. <laughs> there are, uh, let's say one, two, three, four. I'm going to say a solid four to four and a half better action adventure films than Mulan on that list. What is the gentleman really an action adventure movie? Uh, well, in El Camino's not really either. No. They're, they're each getting like a half. Yeah. Because they are better films. Yes. Yeah. Um, that being said, I do have to walk back something I said during the Toy Story episode six years ago. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm re-listening to all of our old shows. Yeah. And I'm in the Toy Story series right now. And in the Toy Story series, when we were talking about it, we were talking about, at one point we got on this tangent of live action movies. Okay. And I said, if you ever did, if you ever to make remake Toy Story, you'd want to do it probably as a live action 30, 40 years from now. Because mm-hmm. by then you'll have the technology to really make the toys look like actual toys and not CGI toys. Okay. And I said, I'm so happy with Disney right now and how they're updating all these old movies with live action <laughs> movies. Uh, mind you, at the time, I had only seen Cinderella. I'd like to walk back what I have previously said. Stop touching these properties. I was wrong. Don't give me what I want. <laughs> I don't know what I want. I'm a bad fan. <laughs> Your balls are showing. Titled Top 3, Bottom 3. Next segment. Here we go. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie, and then the three things we want to say are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. We'll start with the top three. Josh, hit me with them. Okay. Overall, this script was tight. Yes. It was so much tighter than the other two. Uh, logically, everything flowed. And the characters stayed true to themselves throughout the course of the story. Love it. Yeah. Good one. Yep. Number two? Uh, the night shooting in and around Miami. Like the it's gl- a pretty place to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> but they captured it so well in uh, a way that felt a little more timeless than, than previous. It did, but it also felt lived in. Yeah. Like the shot when Mike gets shot, mm-hmm. just that strip right there. If you've been to Miami, you've been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it uh, looks you, the same. If you played uh, Vice City, you've been there. 
Okay, and your number one? Uh, Smith and Lawrence bringing up their acting chops yes. to a level that they were not asked to in the previous ones. No. And I feel like, uh, I mean, Will Smith obviously has done great things over the years in mm-hmm. the acting category. Martin Lawrence, though, really like willing to be the old man in this <laughs> was just, it was very satisfying to see. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that he leaned into it. Uh, my number three, the subdued nature of Marcus and Mike from the previous two movies. Mm-hmm. I like that they were toned down and the part that has to do with the leading into the age. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two, the movie felt like it was grounded in reality rather than a caricature of Miami. Yeah. And my number one, the women in this movie. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be that guy. So I'll take the hate. But God damn. <laughs> All right. Now, bottom three, Josh. Go. <laughs> okay. So I complimented a lot of the, the shooting. But <laughs> I do feel like a lot of the shots feel like they were captured on the volume. Oh, that's that's get, damning. Yeah, you you have scenes where it's like the entire action takes place on that stage. You know what I mean? Like you can see the footprint of it, basically, especially in the night driving scenes. That final boss battle, they would have, they definitely would have shot that in the volume if it was available. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the drones, the the drones Did being you? silent pissed me off. <laughs> uh, and the thing that I hate the. The heartbreaking moment of this film is Captain Howard's death. Ugh. It makes me so... It, it upsets me, and it makes me sad. I'm both. I'd say my top three also. I'm okay. looking at now. Uh, my number three, every now and then, the bad boys fall into some bad habits with the humor. Yeah. Uh, my number two, killing off Howard. I get why, but I didn't like it. And my number one, as much as I love the beautiful women in this movie, that ain't realistic. No. Okay? They don't look like that when they're working in the... <laughs> they don't. Okay? Everybody out there who joined uh, an archaeology program when you saw Indiana Jones and you found it was not like that, do not join the police force if you think you're going to meet women that look like this. They're not. Uh, Rita is perfectly quaffed. Oh, every scene. Absolutely. Just and it's kind. It's kind of a, like a a thrown over pixie cut kind of a thing. It's just so cute and it's. She Rita's has to- never had a donut. <laughs> she doesn't eat carbs. Rita's never had a street hot dog. <laughs> Uh, maybe she is. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Come on over. Okay. We use an A to F scale here for the critics rating. And C is considered average. A plus is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives S from all the hosts. It goes to the Movie Planet Global Killer List, where you can watch a movie ironically, even though Josh doesn't believe in that, and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, what do you give 2020's Bad Boys for Life in the action adventure movie genre by today's standards? Josh, I'm muting me. The floor is yours. Okay, I actually, uh, I'm going to have to call a little bit of an audible here, looking at my other score. Oh! <laughs> what, what, what? Okay, okay. <laughs> so I wrote down that I was going to go with a, with a B plus. I believe a B plus is what I gave Bad Boys 2. Uh, look in here, Bad Boys 2, you gave it, and you did, you gave it a B plus. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm Were bump- your kids grading this one too? I'm bump- I'm bumping this up to an A minus, I guess, in order to keep things shoot, 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 shoot. You're bumping this to an A minus. It's on the level of John Wick. No, no, it's not that good. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to reconfigure because this is a B plus, but I like it better than Bad Boys 2. Okay. I think it's a better modern action filmmaking piece than Bad Boys 2. Here's the question I have for you. Yeah. 
remember, we've got the critics and we have the fan rating. Yeah. I know you're a fan, more of a fan of this than you were Bad Boys 2. Yeah. Critically, would you say they're on par with each other? This is a better movie. So would this, you want to drop? I have to drop Bad Boys 2. Bad, maybe you were a little too excited about Bad Boys 2? I think so, yeah. Okay. So you gave it a B plus before. What do you want to drop it down to? Let's give it a B. A B. And we're going to call this a B plus. Okay. Well, it stays in the same spot. And then this is going to be a B plus for you. Okay. A solid 88 right there. Okay. So now that we know what your grade is. Yes. <laughs> go. We got that figured out. Right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so my reasoning behind it is I feel like we exchanged some of the, the insanity of the previous entries for a more emotionally charged effort this time around. Okay. That's basically a straight up swap. I can appreciate either one. It depends on the mission of the film. If the emotions had hit a little bit harder, I could have bumped this up higher. I felt like it had that potential. They didn't quite milk it. Uh, and I like to be manipulated. So I would have taken it. Uh, I do think this is a good example of how to do a legacy sequel. I like that term. <laughs> uh, update the characters, bring some of the original energy to more modern concerns in filmmaking. Where the other movies had these two characters brought in over top of like a, just a bland cartel getting busted up storyline. This time out, the drama felt tailored, not just on a surface level to the story, but also poised to hit at the themes that made these characters who they are. Okay. So uh, it makes more sense in today's film fr franchise mindset that they had this unexplored lore that hadn't been addressed yet. Action wise, this is not quite the Bayhem that I'm looking for. Right. <laughs> this is what people who raised on Bay's movies make today for good and for ill. They've taken it. They've sanded off some of the rough edges. It's got these wild images, but some of that vulgarity and some of that over the top nature just isn't there. The moment to moment logic holds up a lot better. You can see cause and effect in these action scenes a whole lot more clearly. Uh, even while it loses some of the overall impact. And uh, there's a certain joie de vivre that Michael Bay has that is just kind of lacking here. Bay always wants to like blow your hair back. It, he doesn't worry about if it's <laughs> what direction the wind is coming from, but he just wants your hair to be blown back. Uh, the car detail shop shootout and the final firefight are spectacular. Uh, I do think that it suffers from shooting on stages where it feels a little bit like a Disney plus star Wars show where some <laughs> of the footprint of the stage is smaller than the displayed scenery on the led wall or on the green screen. Um, I felt it during the, uh, the car chase specifically. Uh, I would, I want to pitch where I want this series to go though. Okay. Go. So I want Mike and Marcus to retire from the force and open up a shop as private investigators. <sighs> Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I, they can still turn to the ammo squad for help and big action scenes. See, that's where you bring that stuff in. Okay. I want these two guys getting older, sitting on stakeouts, busting each other's balls, uh, finding missing heiresses and whatnot while they make their way through the different layers of Miami society. You have like Marcus more street level. You've got Mike with the higher end kind of stuff, uh, just all in and out of this Floridian society. Um, it would be a cool way to keep up with the dudes as they get older. Yeah. Play, you know, a lot more into kind of the crimey tropes uh, and get away from just big action set pieces. And it might help them get away from some of that CGI and the little blue pills that Marcus needs <laughs> <laughs> and keep them in the fight for a little bit longer. 
I'm sold. Okay. I'm sold. I, you know what? Make it like a Netflix mini series. That's six episodes. Mm -hmm. And each series, each series of it, each season of it, you, they have one major crime. You can bring in ammo for an episode every now and then. Yep. Uh, God damn. That's good, man. That's good. What, what do you rate this movie, Joe? What's your grade rating here? Well, <clears throat> two middling action movies and they decide to make a third. How do you do it successfully? Get rid of the director, change the writers, and dig Martin Lawrence out of acting retirement with the promise that he won't have to scream and holler through every one of his scenes, and that's where I want to start. Directors, Adil and Bilal, do something Michael Bay couldn't do with this franchise. Make it more than just a running gag. They, this feels like a modern follow-up to a Lethal Weapon-style franchise. It feels real, lived in, and the characters seem to act like they should in nearly every situation. Bay's version was fun and cartoony, and but, there, but there's a lot of because it looks cool. Mm -hmm. That was taking place that took precedence over good storytelling. I like the personal nature they gave to this villain. The previous two iterations seemed like generic drug runners who just happened to be cases. This one gave a legitimate motivation to going after Marcus and Mike, mainly Mike. In this trilogy, Isabel and Armando are the peak of the mountain. When it comes to the action scenes, the car chases are still ridiculous. But the addition of ammo makes it seem better considering it's not just Marcus and Mike handling the bad guys. I like that they're getting older and they're leaning into it. Again, Lethal Weapon was very similar bringing on Rene Russo in the series to add some youth to it since the guys were getting older. And I have beat this horse a lot over the course of this show. They are older. It drives me crazy when I see guys getting older in a movie, but the writers want to still deliver the same action they did when the actors were younger. And that's where I have to ding this one. Martin Lawrence does his thing. He moves like an old man. I like it. Will Smith, well, you'd think this cat was actually bulletproof. Dude is doing somersaults and vaulting onto a car or a helicopter with that, quote, still needs to heal from the three or four bullet wounds, quote, chest injury. I don't know if I'm to blame Adil and Bilal, the writers, or Will Smith asking if he could do something different in those scenes to spice it up. Regardless, somebody needs to watch the Lethal Weapon series to show how action can age with the actors and still be good. Now, overall, this is the best of the Bad Boys movies, and it is a shame they are all linked together because if this was a one-off and the other two didn't matter, it might have bumped up another half grade. However, you have to live with the other two movies to get to this one, and for a finale, it definitely delivers. I'm giving this a B plus, highest grade I've given the franchise. Now, you gave it a B plus. I gave it a B plus. That gives it a solid B, B plus, but it's not making the Pantheon. Okay. It's not making, it is tied at an 88% with Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mmm. If you were to put one over the other, which one would you put over the other? God dang. <laughs> My gut. Well, okay. My my fan is definitely Die Hard. Yes, like that's mine also. Okay, but is it in today's climate? Right. This is this is our criterion. Yes. Is it better? I think. Here's the thing. <laughs> if you'd asked me this seven years ago, mm -hmm. I would have said Bad Boys for Life should be above Die Hard with a Vengeance because the racial jokes in Die Hard with a Vengeance didn't age very well. Okay. But 
thanks to Twitter and Instagram and all the other places that people, anonymous people can say whatever the hell they want. <laughs> um, it's become a big deal again. So people might watch Die with Avengers going, see, it's always been like that. Mm. Forgetting that there was a span of time between 1997 and 2015 when <laughs> shit was hunky-dory. <laughs> <laughs> Things are pretty good. Dan, you damn kids had to bring this shit up again. Uh, so for me, I think, oh golly, only because I am the way that I am. <laughs> I'd put bad boys for life above Die Hard with a Vengeance. Okay. I would just because I feel it's a better third movie. Hmm. Because Bruce Willis didn't age in Die Hard with a Vengeance the way that he a that the way that he ages in four and five. Yes. Yeah. And in this one, they lean into the age in this one. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's going to give it that little that little bump above it, I think, for me. But also, I mean, the age stuff, you're looking at a, what, seven-year gap between Die Hard and Die Hard with a Vengeance? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. And 25? <laughs> well, there was a seven-year gap between Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2. Uh-huh. And then there was a 17-year gap. Okay. <laughs> So you have to address it. Like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, and McLean in Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Zeus. Yes. Uh, in vengeance is he's a wreck at the beginning of that movie. I mean, he's a wreck through most of the movie, but it was never explained why he got to that point because it was always like, this is where we're starting him because he can't go to Holly again. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's on the outs with, uh, Bonnie Bedelia. Yeah. And, uh, that's, she didn't want to come back. I don't know. It's the marriage isn't going to work, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you do? Would you put Die Hard above Bad Boys? Or Bad Boys above Die Hard. I, I got to go watch Die Hard just, <laughs> just, to, just to see. That's a cheater's move. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Die Hard with a Vengeance and Bad Boys for Life are literally right underneath the pantheon. Yeah, they're neck and neck. John Wick Chapter Three is right above it. Okay. Um, and I think rightfully so. Okay, so that's that. Now the fan rating. Do you love this movie, like this movie, or just none of the above? Me, I love this movie. I didn't think I'd say that, but in my opinion, it's the best of the trilogy, and it makes me, this movie is so good for me, I almost want to rewatch one and two again mm. to get to this point again. Josh? Uh, I'm somewhere between a like and a love Okay, on it. Uh, pound for pound, it is, it's my favorite out of the three. It does, I appreciate the bay yeah. of part two, but this one does more of what I want. Okay. Yeah. So I love it. Josh has got commitment issues. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's all we got time for today. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Josh, any last words? Uh, you can check out 
one of my other shows. One of, yes. Uh, Nashville CA. Yes. Uh, recently, we covered uh, The Machinist. I listened. With, and uh, American Psycho with my, my good friend uh, Kelly Rowland. Yes. I've also done shows with. From Destiny's Child? Yes. <laughs> the one and say. Uh, and we just recorded our um, day late Christmas episode with uh, The Ice Harvest and Home Alone. Oh, wow. That's too different. Okay. What's yeah. the connective tissue, Josh? They're both Christmas movies. <laughs> okay. But other than that. Die Hard and Gremlins. Okay. <laughs> literally, as we were watching or uh, talking about Ice Harvest, Sean was just like, this is such a Josh movie. It's it's like, <laughs> it's a noir. It's dark. It's kind of quippy. It's got Billy Bob Thornton in it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, this is a fucking Josh movie. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for listening. Happy movie watching. 